Welcome, gamers, to Basement Arcade Pause Menu, the show where we hit pause, sit back, and just chill. I'm your host, Ben Magnet, and today I have with me royalty. No, I'm not joking. This guy is a streamer. He's also a really cool dude on Twitter. I've been talking to him a lot. He gets some really, he actually gives really good retro questions that actually make me think and go, hmm. That's a good question. I, I, he, he, and he asks questions where that which I ponder. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Ron the Pharaoh. How's it going, sir? What's going on, man? Like I said, feeling blessed to be here, man. Again, appreciate you. Life is good. Life is good right now. That's good. I mean, you are Egyptian royalty, so I kind of oh, feel yeah. like uh, Bruce Banner in that scene of Avengers Endgame where he's talking to, um, talking to Rory. He's like, he's a king. Should, should we bow? Do I bow? <laughs> Do I address you as your majesty? I mean, I don't, I mean, I used to be really good with the ancient Egyptian history, but I was like, do they, did they call their kings and queens or their pharaohs majesty mm. back then? I, I don't know. Wild, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is wild. It, it really is. So, sir, to those who might not know who exactly you are, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Cause I know you stream on Twitch and you also yep. have a big following on Twitter, but mm -hmm. Enlighten us, if you will. All right. Again, I want to say first and foremost, appreciate you having me. Um, for those who know who I am, my name is Ronnell. I am known as Ronda Fair on Twitch. Also go by Ryan B, Cool Beezy, Raging Cajun, Mr. Icy, Mr. Thirst Trap, Ms. Cookies and Cream. Uh, I can't say my last name, but I'll say it though. Mr. Thirst Pipe. <laughs> <laughs> I am a retro variety streamer and retro gaming collector. I'm also a mental health advocate. I do mental health streams every Tuesday and also build model on gun figurines like this right here. I'm with the big team. Oh, gun series. oh you. You, sir, are a fan of the Gundam. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I've been building. I'm a fan oh, of the Gundam. really? Yeah, I mean, this is, okay, so I don't have any, I've never made any, okay, that's a lie. I have made Gunplas before, but that was mm -hmm. way, way back in the day, and it was the Burning Gundam and the Bolt Gundam, and I was not good at it. And I, mm. you, and because this is like an old band, this is my first figure. This is my old, this is my very first Bandai Mobile Suit Gundam figurine that I ever got. It's the RX-78-2. Wow. Uh, or not RX RX seventy nine. It's the GM head unit from a okay. uh, Gundam. It's from a uh, Ace Mobile Suit team. Because yeah, I actually um but RX seventy eight two Gundam on uh, I think around the summertime. It's a high grade though, but like yeah, um it, it's a really cool build with lots of detail, man. Um, lots, lots of the weapons. Because one thing about that build, you could put everything on it. Like you know, like actually the, the cannons, mm -hmm. um, the sword, the shield. It, it looks just right. Nice. But yeah, I've been um doing Gunpla for about four months now. It's been awesome. very therapeutic. So yeah, so yeah. I, I had no idea you were a Gundam fan because every time someone says, I was like, hey, I also like Gundam, I perk up. I'm like, oh, someone else who likes Gundam. Yay. Now, here's the thing. I've only watched a few Gundam series, though, because like I said, one thing about the Gundam mm. universe is so vast. Like, oh, you know, God, like, yes. Like, I've watched um, Gundam Wing on this Waltz and Double O, and I watch SD Gundam. Um, I do okay. want to watch Gundam Seed and um, Iron Blooded Orphans. It's just, okay. just so much going for it, though. But I will get yeah. to it, though. I will highly recommend Gundam Seed. So Gundam Seed wasn't the first Gundam show I ever watched. It was mm -hmm. the one I have seen in its entirety. Really? Uh, yeah, thanks to Cartoon Network, because Cartoon Network was airing uh, Gundam Seed as it was a big tsunami thing, and I had that yep. sucker t mm -hmm. Like, there was no way in hell I was going to miss an episode of Gundam Seed. That sucker <laughs> was t and whenever a new episode came up, I was like, leave me alone, I'm watching my Gundam. And, and TiVo was so clutch back then too, man. Because like, remember back in the day, you know, we had to you know record stuff on VCRs and whatnot. All you need to do, man, you know, just um put a reminder. It record by itself. Once you're going from work, bam, you're good to go. You know, so yeah. 
I cannot tell you how many final episodes of shows that I've wanted to see and I missed because nope. of TiVo. Digimon being the big one, the original series of Digimon. Yeah. I was at a friend. I told this to another friend of mine, but I was at my friend's house in uh, Marietta, California, and he had a flag football game which started at the same time the last episode of Digimon was going to air. Oh, damn. Uh. <laughs> I did not see the last episode of Digimon until 15-plus years later. Because also the hardest part, too, because you have to think, you know, back when you know kids and teenagers and whatnot, if you miss you know episode, you can't watch it again. Nope. Nowadays, you know, you know, HBO Max and YouTube, you can watch episodes in order. So, yeah, it was actually yeah. difficult. Because um, I remember watching you know, um, Yu Yu Hakusho back in the day and like, you know, episodes used to come on every week and whatnot. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Yu Hakusho fan, by the way. One of my favorite awesome. animes. Yes. Oh, yeah. And like, I actually watched the entire series around 2000, 2011, 2012 and mm -hmm. watched it in full. I'm like, man, this is good. But remember back then we couldn't do that. You know, it, was just, it just came on every week. Oh, man, you're going to hate me for this. So I started. So, of course, I watched Yu Yu Hakusho when I was on Toonami. I absolutely love that show. And then I fell off of it because I, I don't know if we changed TV providers or just just something happened and it wasn't on the normal time slot on Cartoon Network anymore. So I'm like, okay, yep. maybe they're not airing Yu uh, Yu Hakusho anymore. It comes back. I see it again and I'm like, oh shit, I got to watch this. So I TiVo <laughs> it and I get the last episode of Yu Yu Hakusho and I don't know why, but for some reason, my brain just, just went on autopilot and went to delete episode on the last damn episode of the show. Yeah, the last episode wasn't all that. It, it really was. You know, it was kind of like a loose recap of sorts, though. Then, like, after that, it just stopped. But I would say up until that point, like the first, you know, 100 some episodes, it was the best, though, you know. But the episode, yeah. it, it did suck. It was like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything up to the dark tournament where he fights, um, oh, God, the dude with the really cool sunglasses. Oh, uh, it's a girl. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah. Like everything up to that, it's like to me that's peak you hawker show. Like the mm -hmm. series could have ended there and I would have been happy. Real shit. Now I would definitely say this though, you know, season three was good, but in a different way though. Because one thing about season three when um uh, fought Sensui and all them, I love mm -hmm. the overall, you know, tone of the third season because it was about, you know, since we want to destroy humanity and whatnot, and it really no show, you know, how bad you know humanity was according to you know the Yu Hakusho universe. And that really hit me hard though. Like, man, like this really taught me a lesson, you know. But I definitely will say season one and two felt more anime-ish in a sense, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I agree with you there. But season yeah. three, man, was really deep though. Yeah, I man, I need I need to rewatch season three. When I went back to Yu Hakusho, it was revealed that um his dad was like a demon king. Yep. And then like the, the demon world is essentially trying there's it's like a this power struggle. There's like a bunch of different factions. And then he's like, Hey, we're just gonna have a big giant ass tournament to decide. Oh, yeah, that, that, that was hilarious. Yeah. And then this one <laughs> and then this one dude, this one big just rando demon dude wins it and he's like, Yo, we just gotta like stay out of the human world and everyone and all the other demons were like, Yeah, okay, that's fine. Right, come back in three years, do it all over again. Yep. Yeah. Now, yeah. one thing about season four I didn't like too much about Yu show Core Bar. You know what I'm saying? Even though Core oh, Bar yeah. was technically weak compared to the characters, he still had impact in the series. He but did. in season four, he's not there anymore. You know, it's like, why? You know? Oh, man, my, my memory is a little fuzzy on that part. So, um, because I just remember, like, it's really, I just remember, like, some key scenes. Um, like when uh, Yusuke is fighting the the demon guy, the like the other demon king who's blind, who always has his eyes closed. Um, just, what's his Yomi, name? Yomi, yeah, Yomi. that guy, that yeah. guy. Yeah, I just remember him because you like you see the Yusuke's tattoos, and it's like, haha, I have a shield of demon power. And then he's like, and Yusuke's just like cartoons. Yep, I remember that part. Yeah, that was and so then it's dope. Like, 
Yeah, and then it's like all of a sudden his tattoos disappear and his beams go from red to blue because he's not using his demon power. He's using his spirit power. Yep. And, he's both, like, yep. and the other guy's like, well, shit, I don't have anything to protect myself against <laughs> spirit power. And then he loses. And it's like, yeah, he's out of tournament. He can't run for the king of the world or whatever. You know, that was such a dope series, man. Like, I love you, Hakusho. Like, one of my favorite animes of all time. Man. Man, I, I need to get back. But we're... Funny enough, we're not here to talk about anime as much as I would love to talk to hey. continue talking about anime. You, good sir, are here to talk about retro video games. Now, when I oh, contacted yeah. you and I asked you if um, there's a specific topic, 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 <laughs> good, good, good lord, there's a specific topic you would like to talk about. I like through through gave you some ideas, and then you um, gave one back that I really enjoyed, which was retro video game collecting and how to get other people into uh, mm-hmm. video game collecting. Now, just full to give you a heads up, we did talk about retro game collecting on the show once before. However, that was um, my guest on the show was Todd the Top Loader, who lives all the way down in Australia. Ah, okay. You, sir, do not live in Australia. And I'm pretty sure that there's still a big difference and there's still some meat on those bones that we can get at. Oh, yeah. And also, and also I love to talk about how getting others into retro video games because mm-hmm. now retro video gaming is becoming a it's becoming more mainstream in a way. I see YouTubers pop up about it all the time. I see more people. I go to the stores and I see like retro video game t-shirts. I see people a little bit younger than me at um, wearing said t-shirts. And that's like, oh yeah, my dad played the N64 when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a little bit of a, I'm old. But at the same time, it's like, this thing is still my hobby. Something that I grew mm-hmm. up with is reaching the other, the younger generation. So let's just go ahead and dive right into it. As you, uh, as a retro video game collector, what do you collect? Is there a specific system? Are there things that you don't want to collect? Like, give me the give me all the juicy details, bud. Because hmm. here's the thing: I've only been collecting for about a year now. You know, but I've been games since okay. six years old. Uh, I mm-hmm. first started collecting last year because I wanted to get back games into my roots. You know, yeah. um, I first started with Game Boy. You know, handhelds, and that's I think oh, yeah. you know that's a good way I can start collecting on handhelds and whatnot. And over time, you know, um, I got a PS2 back there. On uh, one of my uh, mods on Twitch, actually gifted me as a Christmas present. I went from oh. PS2. I went to Sega Genesis, uh, Super mm-hmm. Nintendo. Um, I went to GameCube. But I say the one thing I collect for the most as of right now is usually a little bit of everything. But like, I want to focus more on um, like say like anything Sega based. You know, like Sega okay. Genesis, Master System, mm-hmm. Sega CD. You know, um, Sega Saturn. I really want to focus on Sega Saturn. But the thing is that that um that the, that the USA copies of those games cost so much. It's like damn, you know, like <laughs> oh man. So I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a I call myself a little video game historian. I got some like video game history books right here. Oh wow! Um, okay, I, I love reading about video game history, and of course, one of my favorite eras of said history is the console war between Sega yep. and Nintendo. I may be wearing a bunch of Nintendo stuff right now, but back in the day, I was I you you could have drafted me for the I was drafted inside of Sega. I was a Sega Yo. kid all the way because of this dude. This it's, it's all his fault. It's all Sonic's fault. See, we we gonna be best friends, man. Big Sonic fan. <laughs> I, I love me some Sonic, man. And, and like, don't get me wrong, you know, I do respect Nintendo, but like, I feel like you know, everybody, you know, back in the day was uh, was a Nintendo fan, you know, because you got to think back, you know, to 1985 when the NES came out, you know, yeah. like that's all we had. You know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. Nintendo, you know what I'm saying brought you know, saying the North American market back, so everybody was a Nintendo fan. But yeah. say it came out of nowhere and say, you know, we're gonna do our own thing and challenge a Titan. That's a big thing to do, you know. Oh yeah, and. For Sega to make a mascot, man, and actually go to distance with, you know, Mario and Zelda and, and what Nintendo is, that's always going to make respect Sega. For real, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, when um, when Sonic came out, I was 
I was less than a year old when Sonic hit the Genesis in 1991. I was just, yeah. I was born in 90. And for some reason, I don't know what it is. It's t- I still don't know. I don't know if it was his speed, if it was design, if his, his shade of blue, what exactly it was about Sonic that as a young child made me latch onto him so much. And that essentially that um, love grew over the years. I will also be the first to admit that he's not been in all of his games aren't the greatest. He's been, they're not. They're not. Man. Yeah, not he, he's been in a few stinkers. So yep. six. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> but at the same time, um, like those classic Genesis games are still very easy to go back to. They're mm-hmm. fun to play. But yeah, going looking at the war between Sega, because you're right, Sega wanted to challenge a Titan. Sega was there as like, we can we want this. We can do this too. And mm-hmm. I feel that they uh, they proved it, but of course it was the infighting between Sega of America and Sega, and Sega of Japan, Japan yep. that mm-hmm. really brought down that brought them down. Whereas with um, Nintendo, they were I want to say they were they may have not been in complete harmony the whole time, but they but they definitely had cards up their sleeve that were able to to have them still be in the console game and still be a major player in the console game today. Mm-hmm. And one thing about Nintendo is the fact, you know, they take their brand seriously. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, let's say if, if a crappy Mario game was to come out, though, look what would happen. You know what I'm saying? People actually would, would throw a fit, you know? And, like, one thing that really pissed me off, though, about, you know, when the Sega Saturn came out, though, man, like, we didn't, like, really get, like, a good Sonic game for, for, yeah. for a 3D 32-bit system. Are you serious? But yeah. look, what, look what Nintendo did, Mario 64. Like, come yeah. on. If your main franchises have actually a good game, that's an issue, especially in the West. You know what I'm saying? We love, yeah. even, you know, our mascots. You know what I'm saying? Because what's wild is in Japan, though, man, the Sega Saturn sold really well. But, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? You got to think, you want to spread the brand out, though, man. And, like, and if the brand's not catching on, it's going to be an issue. And that's what happened. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I Also, it was Sega shooting them in the foot or shooting themselves in the foot, too. Because, um, look, once again, go, going back to history, because Sega, a lot of times when Sega was trying to push the envelope, they pushed the envelope too far. And a lot mm-hmm. of the consoles, I would definitely say, like the, the Saturn and the Dreamcast, especially the Dreamcast, were definitely before its time. Yep. With um, yep. the Saturn, of course, CD-based games, and it's like it came out the same day that they announced it at E3, which of course pissed every single retailer off because they're like, "Um, what? We're not gonna turn actually have everything in stock, you know?" <laughs> yes. And uh, like next thing I know, I can only imagine some poor soul at that E3 in 1994, and some guys working a Walmart or a Target somewhere. He comes in for they come in for the shift, and all of a sudden there's this big giant truck, and this guy's like, "Hey, I got a bunch of Sega Saturns for you." And the guy's like, "You got a bunch of what for me? <laughs> really? <laughs> what do you mean you got a bunch of Sega Saturns? I got like a box full of 32Xs that aren't selling. How? Wh- when was this gonna like? He's that person's probably calling their managers like, "What the frack, man?" Yeah, like for real, like you know, like you tell me it's such short notice though, man. I'm trying to you know, get rid of you know this previous product though. You know, it's not selling that well. Now what? No. Yeah. It- Let's see. It went from like a hundred dollar. It went from like one hundred two or hundred not one hundred two, hundred twenty or something, and then it went down to sixty, and then it went down to forty, and eventually just went on sale for like twenty to ten bucks. Like, 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 what was the purpose of the thirty two X? To be honest, like, yo, like, mm-hmm. it was wild because the fact that all oh, the Neptune was actually a standalone thirty two X actually would be a thing, but it never came out. So, it was like, what was the point then? You know, like, so I feel like to me, honestly, you know, even when the Sega CD coming out, I still feel like you know that in Genesis would have been good by themselves. You know, but yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, because Sega, they tried, they tri- they kept trying to push the boundary or push the limits of the Genesis, which it, it I mean, I can't fault them for that because they're also trying to like be ahead of the curve. Because back in the early '90s, if you had more bits, you had better. It, it was like yeah. more bits equals better the game. 
which yeah. <laughs> obviously isn't true. I mean, there's a plethora of bad Genesis and SNES games out there. And then, of course, Atari comes up with a Jaguar. And, and let's be real, who really remembers the Jaguar? Yeah, <laughs> piece of crap, man. Ugh, damn. I mean, respect for it. But at the same time, it's like you were like dead last. Right. I feel even like you know, I'm saying that uh, the Turbo 16, I'm saying actually it was, oh, yeah. it was a big Titan, though, you know, so come on, you know. I do. There was this other YouTuber who followed me on Twitter, and he put up a video about the Turbo Graphics 16 because he played the, the Turbo Graphics, and he never played a Genesis. He was kind of like he would. It's been a while since I last saw this man's video, but he was like very like the Sega Genesis like sucked compared to the Turbo Graphics 16. Mm. And I'm sitting there, kind of with my. I mean, I I am biased because I grew up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't grow up with the Sega system, but I grew up wanting to play Sega games. Yep. So I'm kind of like okay but then he mentioned street fire 2 and how like the three button pad on the genesis wasn't you had to have the six button one to play that yep. game properly. i'm like okay yeah i'll give you that one that's like not the best port of street fighter it, but, it is not but but barring that a lot of that mm. other stuff i'm just like is it though like don't get me wrong you know the the pc engine t16 was a good system i actually got back i actually you know got into some you know t16 games like around 2017 2018 ish you know and many shoot 'em up so many but yeah. the thing is in the west though man it's just they just couldn't compete against nintendo and sega it just got okay. overlooked but in japan like yo the pc engine sold really well you know oh yeah what man um once covid's over i just cannot wait to go to japan because i've been watching a bunch of videos of other youtubers and and, and mm -hmm. retro video gamers living who are either went to before the covid hit or are currently living in japan and they're like hey we're in akihabara and we're gonna go to this store called super potato it's a retro I video game store that. that's yeah. that's three stories tall that has like three floors dedicated games i'm like that is the holy land if you to me, that is like video game Holy Land. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite YouTubers is Kid Shoryuken because he actually lives in Japan. Man, I love his videos because he actually yeah. does um, retro game shop, shop and stuff like that. And like just looking at some of his videos, man, and like some of the pickups he gets, I'm like, man, I wish I could go to Japan. <laughs> even even here in the United States, because one of my favorite uh, retro YouTubers, uh, Metal Jesus. Um, oh, yeah, he, I know him. Yep. Yeah, he goes to a bunch of different states. Like He's like, hey, I went to Arizona and I went to Phoenix and I went retro game shopping and here's some really cool pickups or I'm in Portland and here's some other retro pickups yeah and i'm just sitting there going like i want to go wish i, I could you know yeah and i'm <laughs> over here i'm like hey bank account nope Nope. <laughs> man i'm pretty sure you know as much as i do man that retro game collecting all the, it's more mainstream but that's a double-edged sword too because everybody wants to get into it so with that you know the demand's gonna be much higher so yeah mm -hmm. stuff can so, go up so I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. This is probably mm -hmm. going to be its own episode later down the line. And also I want to have a panel to it because I think this is a really big topic that's been, um, I don't want to say plaguing the retro video game, um, um, the retro video game community as of now, but it's definitely something we should be aware of. And that's okay. the whole WADA game scandal. I'm, I'm sure you're aware of this, right? I'm heard, I heard, I'm, I'm somewhat aware of it. I know what it is. Yes. Yeah. So what's your two cents about um, these, about these like investors, these people who have these games and are selling these mass-produced retro video games at obscene prices what's your two cents about on that i mean to be honest is like what's the purpose of it though because like i think i saw one to like where like sonic the hedgehog was like like twenty five thousand dollars or something like that i'm like it was like four hundred it was four hundred some thousand because two weeks like a week and a half or two weeks ago golden auctions put up a tweet about a air quote sealed sonic the hedgehog game but if you zoomed in on the picture that they had there was damage to the box, but it was a water graded 
grade A plus. That's like near perfection right there, right? Yeah, it's like, and it, so many other people were talking about it. And Yuji Naka himself, what, like, tweeted and it's like, what's this? Like, really? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, <laughs> Yuji Naka himself was like, uh, what? And a lot of, it's it's a lot of people just like yelling. It's like, hey, you're kind of killing the retro game market here because these people think, oh, I have a classic Super Mario Bros. This could sell for thousands. It's like, no, it shouldn't. For real, like I said, that game is like super common. Like you can find Super Mario Brothers loose cart for about like 10, 15 bucks nowadays. Like I, even like a sib, even like a sib domain, like might be a little more pricey, but like it's not gonna be that much though. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like my thing is about this, like again, like why are these like super common games? I can see some like you know, like Hagane or like Lil Samson being like somewhat yeah. that pricey, but even then, you know what I'm saying? They're not gonna be like about you know twenty five, thirty thousand dollars though, you know. But common games, no, like you can get those anywhere. No. You definitely can. I mean, also, the, like, as okay, if you get a sealed game that's from the 1980s, yes, treasure, because that's a sealed game. It has all the stuff inside. And like with Super Mario Bros., it's a super common game. Me, personally, as of right as of this moment right now, I have eight different ways to play Super Mario Bros. Yep. That is it. <laughs> if Nintendo has one thing, if Nintendo can give you a way to play the original Super Mario Bros., no questions asked. It's the yep. easiest thing to play. Like, exactly. You know, you got from like the stuff on the Switch, the NES Classic. I have my NES in the drawer to the freaking Game and Watch. Exactly. <laughs> it's like why you're selling it for that for that it's much? It's easy to get. It's easy to play this game. So it's yeah, like, if you have a sealed copy, I would understand. You want to protect it. And you want to keep it safe because it's like it's sealed. It's like a, it's a piece of gaming history. That mm-hmm. game helped save the video game market here in America. But I mean, sealed. Yeah, I could shell a few hundred bucks for a completely sealed copy of Super Mario Bros. Oh, I would even shell a hundred dollars for a CIB copy of Super Mario Bros. If the box is in a good condition and everything. Mm-hmm. But there's no way in hell I'm paying over a million dollars for that goddamn <laughs> oh, <no>. thing. <laughs> like, come on, you can, like you, you can find that legit anywhere. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You're like Mario, Sonic, Zelda, like any mainline franchise, you can find for a reasonable price. So there's yeah. no reason why you know people are charging that much, you know, for a sealed copy of a common game. Like you, you're just really just you know you're ripping people off. You know, it's it is absolutely nuts because I even when I was doing like air quotes here doing some research because I wrote an article. I don't know if you know, but I also write freelance for oldschoolgamermagazine.com. Really? Yeah, I wrote an article about why the what it was was an opinion piece on why the whole WADA games fad scares me is because they're I mean, luckily here in Southern California, even though I can't go to other states to their retro game stores, I do have quite a few retro game stores in my area that I can get to yeah. within an hour with in, in an hour or less than an hour. Or if I want to drive farther out, either way, I got stores, I got places to go. So mm-hmm. if you're from South right. California, hit me up and we'll go shopping. Got you. Got you. <laughs> but at the same time, it makes me, it scares me that these people are selling these games or at least they're buying and maybe you're like, re, they're, they're inflating the price up. So a mom and pop store who maybe not won't, who doesn't know much about video games will hear this news and then they go to their their stock and go, oh, we actually have this game. And then they just jack the price up, and people are gonna be like, what what the hell? This isn't no. And you know what's funny about that too, man? Because I actually went to one of my retro stores around a month ago, and there's a copy of Shoot Your Age Two, one of the most okay. comic of all time. They're trying to sell that game loose car for sixty bucks. I paid what? twenty for mine. I I, I I shit you not, man. I, I shit you not. No 60? joke. It's still up there now, for real. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, th- thankfully, on Twitter and a bunch of other people who have been talking about this whole WADA thing, a lot of game collectors and even I think some people who sell video games, who sell classic video games, yeah, they're like, this is some bullshit. It this is. is like this is some straight up BS, and they're like, yo, we will 
at least the stores that are reputable and try to give good prices. Because there are places, and even around here, where I go to a store, I, I check price charting sometimes to see if the price they're selling for it is reasonable. Like the most I'll pay is like maybe 10, 15 bucks over mm-hmm. than what price charting says. Because I mean, especially now with the pandemic and or with the pandemic winding down, I still really want to support my local stores and, of course, and yeah. these small businesses. And if I have to pay a little bit extra so they can stick around and stay, mm-hmm. you know what? That's I'll, I'll be willing to do that because I want to support them. And I want to keep them going. And the ones that survived during this pandemic is like, yes, I want to make sure they're still here because a lot of them also have arcades inside of them. And I like yeah, exactly. I really like going there with my friends. Because that's one of mine's to about 15 minutes where I live at. They actually sell um like you know collectible toys and stuff like that. They actually sell retro stuff and um they have a couple of arcades in there too. And it's actually dope that has that, you know. So yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's like the best op- or the best combo of a store. It's like you have a retro video game store that also has a few collectibles here and there, and they also have an arcade. That's to me, that's just like the absolute best. So you like, because uh, the place I go to, you pay like 10 bucks for an hour or like, or 30 bucks for two people for two hours. And it's like all the games are set to free play. So you can be in front of a certain game to try to get the high score for the day. That's actually pretty, that's actually not bad. Seriously. Cause like, um, all of that place out there, like the, my nearest actual arcade spot is about an hour away, like to Nashville is actually a barcade spot. So yeah. Okay. So yeah. Yeah, there's um there's a few of them close to me, but there's another that uh, that's a true arcade, like a true retro arcade. Once again, you go in, you pay for a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. all the games set to free play, but there's no um like retro video game store attached to it. It's a sole arcade. They yeah, had two. Yeah. Lo- Luckily, they have survived the pandemic, but they had to close one of their locations down, and that's the only, and that's one of the locations I really liked going to because it was close to another friend's house where we would record the podcast. And now that they're shut down, or that one location shut down, mm-hmm. their other one is in Pasadena, which is about I want to say forty to forty-five minute drive away from where I am. Yeah, I mean it's still manageable to get to, but still it's in like downtown Pasadena. You have to find parking. You have to do this. Mm-hmm. It's a few bunch of oh, hoops to up. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've ever been to lost to the greater LA area, but uh, traffic be like that. Oh yeah, I've heard. Like I've actually been to Cali, but um, when I was in the military, I was actually I went to um, Fort Irwin. Do you know where that's at? Oh, uh, north or south. I think it's south, I think. I want to say south. But um, I actually went there as a military. I was there for about 30 days. So that's actually the most I've seen of Cali. So yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but like games like, you know, like I do want to copy Street Rage 3. And that game's about 70, 80 bucks. Okay, I get why that game is kind of expensive because it's kind of somewhat rare. You know what I'm saying? But like not Street Rage 2. Come on. Like you can find that about 20 bucks. <laughs> no. But yeah, it's still up there to this day. I, I, I kid yeah. you not, man. I'm pretty sure if you go to like, I want to say like three out of five retro game stores are probably gonna have a copy of Streets of Rage 2. Just just a copy. It could be CIB, it could be loose, it could be whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could probably just like throw a stone and like one of them's gonna hit either a Mario game, Sonic, or Streets of Rage. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That game is easy to find. So, um, getting off of the whole Wada games and like the prices jumping up. Uh, so you said that you also been collecting for a bunch of handhelds. I also have been collecting for a bunch of handhelds right now. My main handhelds are game boy, game boy color, game boy advance and my Nintendo DS. Okay. All right. Unfortunately, the reason why though is because those are very small cartridges Mm -hmm. and space is a bit of a factor for me at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) But the good thing about collecting for handhelds that I would say, if you want to get into retro gaming collecting, that's a good place to start off. Because with handhelds, most of those games are still really cheap. 
like Super Mario yeah. Land, about five bucks. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Ten yeah. tops of that, you know. Um, and getting like Game Boy and stuff like that, you could put them anywhere. Like, I, I could put you know most of my collection in this little um container right. You can't see it though, but I could mm-hmm. put most of my stuff in here, you know. Um, because one thing about collecting as a whole, I'm pretty sure you know as well as I do, space can be a thing. Yes. Like, I'm surprised I can fit everything on these two shelves right here, you know. But if you have a bigger collection, yeah, you're actually you know spanning across the entire you know room and whatnot, you know. Oh, just just yeah. wait, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> that could, all right, so you all right? Let me move my camera down here a little bit. So you see this dresser right here? It's yeah. Right so my entire video game collection is in this dresser. Really? Yeah. Um, all my games. Um. I, there's different drawers. Like I have my PlayStation drawer, I have my Nintendo drawer, and I have wow. my drawer for the bottom for a few board games that I have that we don't have stored downstairs, and uh, strategy guides because I have a few strategy guides here. Oh, strategy guides! I heard that term yeah. so long, man. <laughs> oh man, I know that. That's a that's a big uh, flash uh, um, uh, blast from the past. Seriously, so, I mean, luckily my PlayStation drawer. Is it's got some room in it. So uh, a friend of mine at work, he was very kind enough to give me his modded PlayStation Three. I never had a PlayStation Three oh, wow. before, and he was just like, "Yo, I got three of them. I, he has a new gaming PC that he can like do some emulations on it." And he asked mm-hmm. me if I want his PS Three. I'm like, "I'm not gonna say no to a free console." Hell right. No. You know what I'm saying? That's more my collection, you know. <laughs> I mean, I need like I need some controllers and I need the the cords for it, but that's besides the point. Point is, I now have a PS Three and I now have a new console. That I can start collecting for, and I'm mm-hmm. looking at the PS3 games like, also I have space, but when it comes to Nintendo, I don't have a lot of space anymore, and because even my uh, and even my uh, drawer is starting to get filled up. Because what comes to Nintendo, man, is like there's so much. Even like you know, for NES alone, though, man, you know, over what seven hundred or thousand games for just you know North American oh, yeah. PAL NES. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I I still have my original um, NES, like my original um, toaster model that uh, i got for christmas one year that was actually a mistake and what i mean by a mistake i asked for a super nintendo and all my dad heard was nintendo and he gave me that instead hey (laughs) it'd be like that hey i the way i see it i lucked out so i haven't been really collecting the um for super nintendo or even super nintendo because my roommate has a modded snes that's hooked up right now mostly because the games i really want to play are either on the Nintendo Switch online services already, or they were on the classic minis. Because yep. I have both, I have all three of the big ones: SNES, Net, uh, NES, and Sega Genesis. Oh yeah. And I feel that with those three systems, that was one of the perfect ways to get the younger generation or people into retro video. Games. I so agree with that, man. Because like, if you really think about it, man. You know, again, it goes back to collecting. You know, is someone gonna collect? You know, old school console. You know, from you know back in nineteen ninety, though. You know, I feel like to me personally, albeit it's emulation, it's still a good way. You know, to get someone into retro gaming again. And that uh, you also got to think as well. You can hack though. So yeah. on top of putting, you know, the twin games already on those systems, you can put a lot more though. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a really good way, you know, to bridge, you know, the gap between you no. Know, us and retro enthusiasts to the newer generation. So release those on uh, mini consoles was one of the best things ever you know happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wish they were still make I mean, I was lucky to get in mind because I also remember when what was it, 2016 when they announced the super, the NES classic and then yeah. I was like, oh hey that because I even told my 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 girlfriend and my mom and I was like, hey, what do you want for your birthday? And I'm like, oh I would like that because I think that's a really neat idea. Mm-hmm. I can plug it in. Um, and I have like, a bunch of classic games. I don't have to worry about finding the cartridges anymore. I don't have to worry about plugging my NES into a newer TV because, you know, if you plug it just right in there, it's not going to look good. 
<laughs> oh yeah, because you got upscales and stuff like that too. Yeah, yeah. HD TVs they upscale that thing, but once again, CRT TVs are becoming more rare, and they're also they are more expensive. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I remember back like around you know even like mid early mid two thousands, you could find CRT for about what like dummy cheap, but like nowadays it's like it's really expensive to find those. You know, because again, it goes back you know tens you know to retro gaming. When yeah. you think you know retro gaming, you think you know of you know retro games and the TVs that we used to play on them back in the day. Yeah. So people want that. So the demand's gonna go up much higher. So. And then of course I think look back on it and I go, oh man, I probably could have. But once again, it's a CRT TV. These things are big. They take up so much more space than Heavy. a flat screen. So my mother. She had a CRT TV for the longest time. It was this old TV that we've had for ages. Mm. Um, so she's up in her little apartment, and I remember having to carry that heavy ass TV up a flight of stairs to get inside her apartment. It was the, uh. it was like a hard plastic too. It dug into my hands. It was uh, like man. every time. I mean, that was her only TV, and. I mean, the picture when I would go to visit her and we would watch football together, it wasn't mm-hmm. like the best picture quality, but this is all, all she had. And I wasn't going to be like, oh, mom, you need to get a better TV. Because I knew if she were to get a better TV, we would have to take it out. And I don't want to take it out again. I don't blame you. I don't. Yeah. Again, those TVs are freaking heavy, man. Whew, yeah. man. I remember we, uh, we used to move and whatnot, man. You know, I haven't actually carried all CRT TVs, <laughs> man. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> I remember we. I remember one day, I came, I one vacation, I came home and. And once we got back home, there's this big giant TV in our living room, and it was like one of the biggest things I ever saw, I've ever seen. Because apparently, my dad got a killer deal on a brand new TV. It was this mm. huge, big screen. I was like, "Oh, sweet!" But also, it had the um, yellow, white, and red connections in the front, mm-hmm. so we can plug yeah. in our game systems right there. We didn't have to worry about looking in the back, hooking up that way, and being like, "Oh, we have to do this. It's so annoying." Yeah, because I, I, I do not miss RF switches. I, I don't. Ugh, those things are <laughs> devil. I hate those damn things. Ugh. Yeah, but I mean, eventually my mom did get a better TV, and thankfully she was able to get someone else to haul that giant TV away. Mm-hmm. And now, and this was before I really started getting collecting uh, retro video games, because now I'm I'm getting into this more. I want to play like game. I want to play my PS One again. I want to play my PS Two. I want to yeah. play all these things. And then people are saying, it's like, oh, yeah, we need to get, like, um, a CRT so these games look good. And I'm thinking back to that old CRTV because my mom sold, either sold it to Best Buy or she just straight up got rid of it. Mm. And I'm like, if I'd have known, but at the same time, I don't know where I was going to put it. Yeah, because, <laughs> again, those things take up space. So, yeah. Which is why Ooh. I feel like the mini consoles are, like, if you're able to find a mini console even today, because I feel you could probably find a Sega Genesis one a lot easier, but the SNES yeah. and the Super and the and especially the regular NES are going to be harder to find. But if you are able to find one of those, hacked or not, I feel those are perfect because they were made for HD TVs. Mm-hmm. And again, they're easy to pick up on the pick up and play, man. You know, you could do save state still, man. So it's still retro, but you got to think back in the day, we didn't have that. So save being a save state stuff, you know, play you know, a bunch of the best games that you know the console has to offer. You're getting that full experience. Or off the bat, you know. Yeah, like even when I'm at retro video game stores and I see like um like original copy of Metroid, it says it's a password pack where you have to where when you stop or if you die, the password pops up like in Omega Man yeah. games. Yeah, you write down the password <laughs> and then you enter it in, and it's like okay, there's your save. That it's like that's how you start the game again. And was that password? Yeah, you start over again. You're still yep. um, you're starting all the way over again. So we talked about um game people into retro video games so of course like if someone is like yeah i am i'm interested i would like to go back and or i would like to try a retro video game 
what era would you say like we're going like at 8 16 and 32 what era would you think would be the best like the absolute best way oh, to get some android video games bit man because you gotta think about it man you know the sega genesis and super nintendo were two of the best you know see they made some of the best games though you have to Super nintendo super mario or link to the past super metroid earthbound and a bunch of jrpgs like chrono trigger you know um final fantasy games Sega genesis sonic golden Axe, shinobi altered beast gunstar heroes dynamite heady like you got some of the best games that still hold up today in those two eras now 8-bit is good don't get me wrong but some of those games can be a little bit too difficult Let, let's yeah. be honest nes hard is a thing <laughs> so yeah oh there was a t- i remember when it's like yeah this game is nintendo hard that was like playing this sucker right here it was like you I'm, or even okay so the, even the snes and the genesis got games that were also stupid hard blanking oh man i actually played it on random retro my stream on friday never again that game is freaking <laughs> difficult because <laughs> someone, someone actually requested that game too <laughs> it's a great game but stupid freaking hard like damn, how dare uh, they <laughs> well, it's you know, a great the, game though well, you know, the developers actually came out and apologized for making the game difficult. Man. And, and like, you would think, you know, playing you know, Castlevania and, like, you know, Mega Man stuff like that. We'll get used to that, though. But Lion King's like a whole other beast, man. Ooh. Well, I'd say it's actually why, the... Why, come here. You know why they did it, right? Why? Uh, Disney. Because um, this was... because So when Lion King and Aladdin were... Like, when the, the games were being developed and made, a lot of... Um, like Nintendo and I think Sega was like Sega was like yes we're we're open to all this we want people to play our games and Nintendo was like we want you to play them but uh we want you to buy them first mm-hmm. and this was during the age of Blockbuster I I remember right over, yep. yeah I remember um, watching a gaming historian video about when Nintendo sued Blockbuster and lost oh wow so of course Disney came up and like hey if people just rent our games they're not gonna buy them. And we want them to buy them. So they actually talked to the developers and said, make these games like really, really hard so kids can't beat them in a weekend, that they get frustrated and they go out and buy it instead. Mm-hmm. And, and like, that's, like, like I said, that is a smart decision from this perspective, though. But like, if you look at like, you know, the Japanese counterpart of certain games, as opposed to American ones, though, the mm-hmm. Japanese ones seem a bit more balanced. But the games mm-hmm. is because of the rental scene back in the day, you know, like a prime example um, Ninja Guy in three and Ninja Ryu Ken in three, you know. Two different versions, but man, you'll be surprised you play the American version. Go to the Japanese one. It's much more balanced. Oh, man. <laughs> or even to counter, to, or not to counter, but to add to that point, when um, Super Mario Bros. 2 came to the United States. Oh, yeah. Because in yeah. reality, so because in reality, Super Mario 2 is actually Super Mario. Okay, for us, and here in the United States, Super Mario Bros. 2, as a lot of us know, is a reskin of a game called Doki Doki Pan. Yep. Whereas the real Super Mario Bros. 2 is relabeled as Super Mario Bros. Oh, the Lost, Lost Levels. levels. Mm-hmm. Because those games are stupid, because those levels are stupid hard. Thankfully, yeah. I can play the Lost Levels on my Nintendo Switch and on this beauty, yep. which mm-hmm. I couldn't even get past the first level. Yeah. And like, if you really you think about it back in the day, though, I mean, you know, that's actually good as a marketing decision. Cause like, you gotta think, you know, Nintendo actually you know, just came, you know, and really revitalized North Bank gaming market. So if you're making a game that's actually too hard and that's your main mascot, you're gonna lose money like that. So oh, what yeah. do you do? You reskin a game based on another one. And I would definitely will say, Mario Brothers 2 USA is still a good game, though, despite mm-hmm. being a reskin, though. But that's actually smart to do that. And I'm really yeah. glad, you know, when All Stars came out for Super Nintendo, we did get the actual true Mario Brothers 2 experience, though. We so did. yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, props to Nintendo because I guess they realized that as a, as the Nintendo or not the Nintendo market, the video <laughs> game market here in America was embracing games again, and gamers mm-hmm. were getting really good at these video games. So it's like, okay, maybe we can release these super hard games. And it turns out that gamers did enjoy. It. I mean, of course, you have the, the casuals, you have the hardcores, and you have people who memorize ha, who have these like there's people who have Super Metroid memorized like the back of their hand. I just played Super Metroid for the very first time. It is bar none the best Metroid game ever made. It is so good. It is. Yeah. But I had to play it with a guide because, goddamn, I did not know where to go. Yeah, because you got to think, though, man, back then, though, like, that game isn't really, it doesn't really tell you where to go, per se. It's more open-ended, though. So oh, yeah. no, it doesn't. It doesn't tell you where to go, like, Mm-mm. at all. For real. Uh, and speaking of Super Metroid, uh, one of my actual viewers, his name, is Epic, his name is Epic Android. He's like a Super Metroid speedrunner. This man has mastered the hell out of this game. And like, man, because I when I actually played Super Metroid on stream, I think it was last year around early. It was like mid-2020. He mm-hmm. actually walked me through it. You know, because I've played Super Metroid in the past, but like never beaten it in full. And I got lost. I'm like, what the hell? Like, really? But then again, like, I rather take Super Metroid and original Metroid, because you got to think back when, Metroid, when uh, OG Metroid came out, there was no map system. So, yeah. <laughs> no, there was no map system. And, of course, when Metroid 2 Samus Returns came out on the Game Boy, you had to make a map yourself. I don't mm-hmm. know if um, if you bought the game, it came with a map inside, which would have been super helpful. Yeah. But yeah. at least when uh, when they remade it for Metroid for Samus Returns on the 3DS, there was a map in, like, your, your bottom screen was the map. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and also, um, the fan may remake AM2R. The Metroid 2 mm-hmm. remake has it, too. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so luckily Nintendo, and of course we got Metroid Dread coming. At the time of this recording, Metroid Dread hasn't come out yet, but yeah. I am so excited for Metroid Dread. Man, because I'm glad you brought that up, because one thing about me, I'm not the biggest Nintendo guy, but I love me some Metroid. It's one of my favorite Nintendo franchises. And the fact, you know, I always feel like to me personally, games like Metroid, F-Zero, and Star Fox, they're kind of like, you know, the redhead stepchild of Nintendo. Let's be real about that, you know. And, I mean, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to call them the redheaded stepchild, but at the exact same time, I can't argue. A, I, I want to say they're not, but they kind of are in a way. It, it's, like they have, a, they have, a, they have a fan base. Don't get me wrong, but compared to Mario and Zelda, even Smash, even okay. Animal Crossing, like those four franchises right there, like just Nintendo Titans, though. And what's wild because, like you know, Star Fox, F Zero, Metroid, they have sequels and they have a, a big fan base. But compared to like the triple A ones, they do call fine. They kind of, they kind of fall kind of short though, you know. And I hate that. Yeah, they the those games because don't get me wrong, those games like uh, Star Fox, F Zero, Metroid. They are Nintendo staples. They are mm-hmm. the pillars that help create Nintendo into the powerhouse that it is today. Yep. And but of course, with every new Switch, we have to have a new Mario game. We have to have a new Zelda game. Don't get me wrong; amazing franchises on of their course. own right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so enraptured with Breath of the Wild when I was first playing it on my Switch, and the uh, Legend of Zelda: Link Between Worlds on the 3DS essentially got me out of the gaming funk and got me back into video games. Like mm-hmm. this, this is it. I love video games again. I don't want this. I don't want to ever stop playing this hobby. But at the same time, it's like, where's Metroid? Where's F? You know what? I would love to have an F Zero game. I mean, yes, we have an F Zero track in Mario Kart Eight or two F Zero tracks, but that's still yep. not the same. It's not like why is Captain Falcon not an actual playable character? At least did that though, man. You know. But I think what it is, because, you know, since Mario Kart is like the big, you know, competitive racing game on Nintendo, is like why F Zero? Because I'm I, honestly, I'm actually a bigger F Zero fan. 
I think to me personally, it's like it's more of a skillful based game. But I would definitely mm-hmm. say Mario Kart is a bit more accessible. It's a more it's more yeah. fun though. Anybody get into it though, you know? Yeah, yeah. F Zero. Um, I feel this also goes back to when um like games were Nintendo hard. Like um like say okay, what's um Super Metroid? Every person I've talked to about Super Metroid has not said a bad thing about Super Metroid. It is you can't. <laughs> it's it one of the best super. I mean, the only time I may have like say like, man, this really pissed me off was the wall jumping thing because I could not get that to save my yeah, life. Yeah, uh, it's better in Fusion Zero Mission, much better. Oh no, I I played through all the Metroids. I just recently beat Fusion, and it was so much easier to do it in Fusion. My yeah. God, like that's the minor complaint I have about Super Metroid. The wall jump is a bit finicky though, you know. But yeah, besides that though, it's still one of the best games of all time. Atmosphere, you know, gameplay, presentation. Super Metroid nails it, and it I mean, still holds up I- after. I mean, sorry to cut you off, but now that I know actually how to wall jump, I, when I got to that part where you're in the aliens, you have that giant thing, you have to go up and down, up, up the side, like yeah. four or five times, you have to wall jump mm-hmm. five, ten times to get to the very top. I'm just like, I can't get this damn wall jump to save my life. I was watching so many YouTube videos on <laughs> speed, of speed of speedrunners. Like, they even have like the little controller thing of what their buttons are. Mm-hmm. And of course these people are so good because they can just wall jump on the same wall and ascend no problem. Right. And I'm over here playing this game for the first time. I'm like, how? Like it, it, it is a learning curve. It is. It definitely is. Cause like I said, the way to wall jump feels, it, it's like, it is, it feels not natural. Like again, if you go back to zero mission and fusion, if you jump off the wall, bam, you're good. Even in Mario was a bit more, you know, intuitive. But yeah, Super Metroid, it was a little bit of a learning curve. It definitely was. Yeah. I struggled with it too. I make that same complaint, man. <laughs> yeah. Still the best Metroid game. However, not my favorite. Super Metroid, which one's your favorite? Fusion. My man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I I, I think I'm okay. The reason why Fusion, I think, too, is actually one of the best ones. It's the, it's like it's it's kind of like survival horror, you know? Because yeah. you see Samus and like her weakest. Cause let's be let's be honest. When Metroid first came out, until you know Metroid Fusion, Samus was a straight badass. You know, what I'm saying a one woman army just wrecking people, you know. But go to Fusion, she lost all her powers, and she feels you know, what I'm saying, you know, you feel that fear with her though. And the SAX, man, that thing is scary. I mean, so Fusion is my favorite because it was also the very first Metroid game I ever got. Um, I, it came out, so I got my Game Boy. Fusion was coming out for Christmas. I asked my parents for it. They got it. Got it for me. And that was my first entry into Metro games. But at this time, I was like, uh, I want to say tw- I was 12 years old when the game yeah, came same out. Here, same here. But also, I was a bit of a, I don't want to say impatient, but when I saw a bunch of text, I was I just skipped. Like when I was playing Pokemon as a kid, I just skip all the text messages. You and just sound go, just like me, man. I'm the same way. Yeah. Like I want to get into the game. <laughs> yeah. So of course, when I'm, <laughs> so of course, when I'm playing Metroid Fusion, I get stuck a lot. I don't know where to go. Mm-hmm. And I get stuck in the part where I can't escape, or I don't find the the hidden little, uh, the hidden little thing where I can go into my morph ball and like uh, sling through. So eventually, I just put the game down. I don't play it for years, and then I give the game away to a friend of mine who bought Ooh. my Game Boy Advance. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I just upgraded to the SP, and he really wanted GBA, so as so he paid me sixty bucks for the system. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to throw in a game. What's the game? Hey, you know what? I'm probably never going to play Metroid again. I'll, I'll give you Metroid Fusion. <laughs> regrets! Like Instant said, regrets. That game, that, that, 
That game's a banger, man. Um, I think what people give people um issue about Super, about um Metroid Fusion, it is a bit more linear than Super Metroid. But I think yeah. if you want to get into Metroid, like the actual starting off point, Fusion is definitely a good one. It is later in the timeline from like a lower perspective, but in terms of gameplay, it is very intuitive pickup and play. It is, you know. So I would actually argue that um if you want to get into metroid i would say start with zero mission for the game for the gboy for the gameboy advance mostly because now i made my mission to play through all the 2d metroid games in preparation for metroid dread i was able i found metroid fusion i found zero mission i played them all i love these games oh yeah and once i got to fusion or even as i'm playing through super metroid or i'm playing through um samus returns i'm like hey I remember that from the previous game. That's a that's a thing. That was like a little reference. Or as I'm or when I'm playing a Super Metroid, or when I got into Metroid Fusion and I got to the freezer room and I saw Ridley's frozen body. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh shit. Because you ain't seen really Williams in a long time, you know. So, he's yeah. not dead. He they it's like these these Federation bastards. Or when you go into the restricted zone and you see all the, the Metroids. Metroid, yep. Like when you see the Metroids. It hit different because I went from let's murder all the Metroids to I have a baby Metroid here to that baby Metroid saved my life against the mother brain. Mm-hmm. And then I see them all because it's like, oh, the Metroids are instinct. No, they're not. They're still there. Just kicking, you know, and we already saw what the Metroids can do in Metroid 2 going from different larval states. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Oh, God. Samus Return. Uh, technologically speaking, Samus Returns was so good. It was it 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 what not was it is it is an amazing game. And it as is. I was playing it, that was definitely one of those games. Like Metroid is awesome. This game is so is so rad. Like the and even when I'm watching the the trailers for Dread, I'm like excellent. They they put it they put in a bunch of the stuff that I loved in Super in Samus Returns, mm-hmm. and in this one that's gonna help me out with the exploration stats. Because I when I first played Samus Returns. Or the only time I played Samus Returns, really, I put about 15 hours into it, give or take. Mm-hmm. And as any super fan, or <laughs> no pun intended, super fan of Metroid would know, is that in order to get the goods ending or the good ending screen, you need to speed run that shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I definitely will say, looking at Dread, you know, I do like the 2.5D art style. People, uh, some people actually argue saying they actually want a sprite animation. In 2021, it wouldn't, really, it wouldn't look bad, so to speak. But I think, you know, having 2D gameplay with, a, like, you know, a third dimension aesthetic, it does fit well. It mm-hmm. does. Like, it looks like it looks like a more improved version of Sounds Returns. It does. So, with that style, I'm, I'm all for it. I definitely am. I mean, I wish you were there, or I wish I, wish I was live streaming my reaction at nine o'clock in the morning when I was watching the E3 yeah. Nintendo Direct. Yeah, I watched it. I, was, I mean, my whole thing was where's Prime? Where's Prime 4? Are you going to release the Prime trilogy on, on the Switch? Give me those. I just need those. Just tell me you're going to release the exactly. Prime trilogy because I've never played the Prime trilogy before. Just give me that so I can finally play these games that my friends are giving me flack for. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, we're working on it. I'm like, okay. And? I want something, and, you know? I'm like, and what else? And then they're like, but we also have something for you. We did Snap, and then Metroid, Fry, Metroid 5 lost my mind. Man, whew, man, because again, you know, the last game we got was Sam's Returns, but that was a remake, but like an actual sequel to Fusion? It's been a what, 10, 15, when did Fusion come out? What, 2000? years. Yeah, it's, it's been 2002. Okay, yeah, 2002. And it's been that long since we actually got a sequel to Fusion. Like, mm-hmm. you got to think, because it came out for Game Boy Advance. So we did, you know, Metroid Federation Force, but that doesn't really count, though. You know, we so we DS. Um, yeah. But we got Metroid Prime 3, though, right? Corruption. Yeah. So yeah. Got that, Corruption. You know. 
Um, the first two, uh, Prime and Prime 2 Echoes, were on the GameCube. Mm-hmm. And then um, Echo, uh, Prime 3 Corruption was on the Wii. And then yep. they eventually ported all three of them to the Wii, which I had a Wii. And I thought to myself, if I ever see this on the counter, I'm going to get the Metroid Prime Trilogy. <laughs> I never saw it. I never got the Metroid Prime Trilogy. <laughs> And like the fact we didn't get a Metroid game on the Wii U though is like man, one console having a Metroid system and even on the Switch until recently, like that's that's a long time. And like I said before, you know, Metroid is a known franchise. Like Nintendo, what's going on? We finally got it though, and it comes out in what seven, wait, three, four, five, six, seven, six, about five days. Man, I cannot wait. Uh, fortunately, I can get a day one. Don't have to wait till afterwards, but I'm, I'm gonna get it for sure. I'm that guy when when they announced the special edition. I'm like, oh, I want that because I want the art book. I love having little art books. I love seeing the notes of the developers and the little because um, once again, this is Metroid's 35th anniversary, and they're putting in like uh, these art cards that celebrate 35 years of Metroid. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, hey, I like that. And also, the steel book looks great. It's got Samus. It's got the Emmys in the background, mm-hmm. all looking menacing as hell. And then all the scalpers took all the pre-orders, and I can't find one. <sighs> Good old man, good old buying stuff in 2021, man. Even modern so, stuff is hard, man. <laughs> I am praying that my uh I haven't called them yet, but I am praying that my local stores that I um that I follow on Instagram um are able to were able to pick up a few copies. I haven't mm-hmm. asked them yet. And also I'm praying that by some miracle GameStop got, if I have to go to GameStop, F it, I'll go to GameStop. I don't care. I don't I blame you. I want the special edition of Metroid and I want to pay MSRP for it. I don't want to pay a scalper an extra 50 bucks for it. Right. You know what I'm saying? I could, I could put that towards something else. You know, I don't blame yeah. you. Oh. Yeah. I could put, I could put that money towards finding the Amiibos, which are also. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, but it's... I'm just, I'm just really glad right now, man. The fact, you know, Metroid is getting love again because it, it deserves it. It is a bit more darker as opposed to some other, you know, Nintendo franchises and whatnot. But I like it because of that. It, it, it's very bleak, you know. The atmosphere is definitely there. Great gameplay, great challenge too. Because Metroid is not an easy game to play. It's, it's kind of challenging, you know, compared to other ones, you know. Yeah. Which is funny though, man. Because like I do well in Metroid, but suck at Zelda. i I think the thing is with zelda for me personally it's the puzzle solving though you know like i love puzzles but like i'm used to playing like tetris and stuff like that but i see you know what zelda's going for though you know it's actually part of the gameplay it's like you're actually living in the world of hyrule and actually you know going through the dungeons and solving all that stuff because when i played Link's awakening for the first time i think early 2021 i got lost a few times i'm not gonna lie to you but after playing i'm like yo i see what makes zelda so amazing yeah i I got um, Link's Awakening as well, and I absolutely adore that game. I love that. I just love the art style. I just love the way it looks, and I really hope that Nintendo takes older Game Boy or not Game Boy Advance, but older Game Boy titles, i.e., Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons, and makes them into that art style and puts them up. Oh yeah. But I, I completely agree because um, I mean there are times I would and would not use a guide. Really, it's just like I want to use a guide because I want to find all the hard pieces. I want to find all the stupid little seashells because I want mm-hmm. the best sword in the game. But then once I got into a dungeon, I only went to a guide if I couldn't if I couldn't figure out what the puzzle was. And I want to say it was the second to last dungeon, the the, the sky one, which yeah. was the hardest dungeon yeah. in the game for me. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, what the hell do I do? You would think I figured it out. And then I don't. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, maybe I found I it's like, oh hey, I'm supposed to go here. Okay, that's moves that switch. Now I have to go all the way over there and do this switch. And then it turns out, oh, that's not what you're really supposed to do. And I'm just like, mm. 
I see like, a dungeon with a skeleton. What's that? I think the fifth dungeon, right? In Link's Awakening with the skeleton, you gotta fight a few times. That one threw me off too. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy. Oh man, that, that dungeon's was... annoying. Ugh. Yeah, because that that skeleton's a mini boss, and then I think it took me a while because you see like the, these giant, um, like the first room you see him, or one of the rooms you see him. It has like two squares into it, but they're diagonal, and you're like, mm-hmm. "What the heck is that?" You go into another room; it's three, and then two, and then and then it it took a while for 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 me to click. It's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, I have that's how many times I have to fight this guy." Yeah, you gotta I fight multiple to go times too. Yeah, I have to go into each of these rooms. I have to fight him, and once I fight him, it's either the fifth time. That's when he's like Dunzo, and then yep. you you get the 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 boss key. Mm-hmm. And um. I think also with me though, man, my short-term memory is not as good as it used when I was younger. So trying to remember stuff in this other game, like I did five minutes ago, I'm forget that. So yeah. yeah. But good thing is I had one of my good friends who um back see me though, but didn't spoil it though. If I ever got lost, he did help me out. Um, but Link's Awakening, despite limitations of the Game Boy, that game is amazing. Like mm-hmm. Nintendo nailed that game. Um, so let me ask questions. Though. Like, what, what's the difference between you know, the actual original game and actual the the remake? If it's called, if it's called a remake. Um, the different, well, yeah, the difference that I actually really love, and don't get me wrong, thankfully the um, game of watch of uh, the game of watch that's coming out in uh, mm-hmm. November, two days before my birthday. Funny enough, oh, really? Okay, yeah, or three days. Yeah, it comes. My birthday is on November fifteenth. It comes out November twelfth. So hopefully, I get that for my birthday. Mm. Um, oh, but that has the original Game Boy version of Link's Awakening, and whereas I feel that. I might get annoyed with it because I will freely admit that I am definitely spoiled to the bigger, the controllers and the more button options yeah, for, yeah. for modern games. Whereas when, cause the only version of Link's Awakening I ever played was the switch remake mm-hmm. and that had an extra button option because in the original one, you only had, you know, like you can unequip your sword and have like the, the jump feather. You only had two options. Whereas yeah. this one, you have three. So I definitely feel I so I definitely feel that when I do play the original Link's Awakening, because of course I'm gonna start a new file when I get my game to watch. Um, I'm gonna have to oh yeah, I have to hit the start button, I have to go and equip it, and I have to go back. It's kind of like when um when you're in the original a lot okay when you're in the original Water Temple of Ocarina of Time. Oh man, because <laughs> when I played Ocarina, I played it on the 3DS. That's the same reason I bought a 3DS was to play mm-hmm. Ocarina. I, and I was dreading the water temple. All of my friends who played Ocarina before me would not stop talking shit about the water temple. It's one. It's, it's it, okay. Playing the water temple now is not as bad, but it's definitely the weakest dungeon out of the entire Ocarina time game. Mm-hmm. Let's be real, you know. Yeah. And um, I think in the original sixty-four version, you had to keep on um, pressing on um, pause, actually uh, assign yeah. items and stuff, right? Yeah. Well, the you, had version. Press, you had to um hit start, and you had to unequip the iron boots yeah. over and over and over again. Whereas with the 3DS, you just had to. It had a. There was a button for it on the touch screen, and you could unequip it like that, which was a, which made you go through the dungeon a lot quicker. Yeah, because in Ward Temple, you have to keep going you know, between different levels and stuff too. It's definitely one of the bigger dungeons in the game, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I I will not lie. When I got to the Water Temple, I used a guide. I did not care. I don't blame you again. Like we we actually like we actually don't know how to do. We know a tedious stage. I don't blame you. You know, I'm trying to get through as fast as possible. Get to the better stuff. So because usually every yeah. game you're gonna deal with is gonna have like one annoying ass stage. It's gonna happen. So yeah. Yeah. Like that. Uh, like for me, it was the the wall jumping in Super Metroid. That was the one thing where I'm just like, get me out of this goddamn pit. <laughs> I'm just like sitting there, just like just seething ang- with anger, just like I'm like I'm even holding the controller with like my my index and my right finger, trying to like push it instead of using my thumb because I would. 
I mean, I'm playing on my SNES Mini here. Thankfully, that is a, a nine 100% recreation of the original Super Nintendo controller, mm-hmm. which I'm all for. I would, as if I'm able to play game. Actually, question for later. So put that pin in that. But if I'm able to play games on uh, original hardware, I would. But that original hardware, the D-pad and the SNES uh, controller, good D-pad. Absolutely love it. It hurt my thumb. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> It hurt my thumb so much. <laughs> I went to, after I got out of it, I went to a save room. I saved, I even did like the save state on the system itself. And I just yeah. went home and, my, or not, I didn't go home. I went to bed and my thumb was red. I Ooh, mean, it wasn't man. bleeding. It was just like a big red spot on my, on the pad of my thumb. And I'm just like, screw you, Super Metroid. You know, you you really take me back to um, Mario Party 2. Uh, do you remember the one a mini game? Uh, no. Nah. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna tell you something for real, seriously. Uh, do you remember the one mini game, Mecha Marathon? Where yeah, you had to like, yeah, and like you had to press A and B at the same time. That sucked. I remember oh. doing it as a kid though, man, and like trying to press both buttons, man. And both my actual thumbs hurt. I'm like, really, Nintendo? Really? <laughs> that sucked. Uh, Did but, Nintendo um, get sued on Mario Party because of from the first one? That one where you had to like spin the joy the the joystick around, and people were using their palms, and like the I think the, so. the analog the joystick was digging into people's palms, and it was like mm-hmm. causing blistering and bleeding. Yeah, I think so. About that, or am I forgetting? Huh, I think so. Hmm. I know about that story though, but like I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if, if Nintendo got sued because of that though. Yeah. But yeah, also, I, one I, thing I, about me is like the uh, 64 controller. I can't stand it. I hate that controller. Like I detest it with passion. Uh, I mean, okay. I guess, brother. I gotta tell you, I am in love with the Super Nintendo controller, but that is only because I have nostalgia goggles on. <laughs> you mean 64 one, right? Yeah, the N64 one. I I love the N64 one, but that's only because I have nostalgia goggles for it. Um, when I was really getting into video games when I was a kid. Mm. I mean, yes, the Genesis and the Super Nintendo were around, but I was a kindergartner and I was in, or I was a preschooler and kindergartner when I, when I would go to my friend's house to play those games. I didn't re- understand what was going on. I didn't have really a concept of like of this. All I know is like you have level one, then you have level two. Good luck. Simplicity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Simplicity. And when so when the N64 came out and my friends got N64s and eventually I begged my parents for an N64. They got me a PlayStation instead, but I were to get one eventually. But just like seeing the N64 controller just brings back a flood of memories of like, this is awesome. And like, I will say this though, you know, that, that controller like really paved the way, you know, for 3D style games, you know, and stuff like that. It's just the way it, it, the way it looked. It was like, you know, you need three arms or some shit like that. Yeah. You know, that's my only thing, you know? I mean, I will not lie. Design, looking on it now as an mm-hmm. adult who can thankfully look at things critically and take the nostalgia goggles off, it is not a well-designed controller. It's not. Yeah. But it's still a classic looking controller like you show an n64 controller to someone every i can guarantee oh, you yeah. gamer or not they'll they'll tell you it's like hey i used to play goldeneye with that thing oh yeah yeah like it, it was definitely revolutionary i'll give it that though you know because i have this controller right here the um, retro fighters brawler one this oh, is the one yeah, yeah this I'm is what the controller should have been this one yeah, yeah this one what'd you say no, I was gonna say I've definitely seen uh, those type of controls around. Those I would definitely say are really nice, especially when you pl- want to play Smash Bros. Oh yeah, like I think this is what the controller should have been like. But I definitely will say, though, man, you know, for the sixty-four controller, what it is, it was revolutionary. I'll give it that yeah. much, though. But the way it feels now, oh <laughs> man, I, I cannot mean, stand it. 
I mean, I'm I'm gonna be a shill because once once again, I saw the direct uh, that came out a few weeks ago, and they announced N64. They said, yep. hey, we're also gonna have N64 controllers that are wireless, and I'm like, take my money. And I'm really glad, you know, they actually made that kind of controller for the Switch because, again, I think, you know, with the N64 style controller, it is very unique, though. So you kind of do yeah. need that, though. My only problem is this, though, the Sega Genesis one. Like, you can mm. buy a retrofit controller for about 15, 20 bucks. Why do I pay 50 for that one? Yeah. <laughs> That's my thing. Well, not only that, because a lot of other people, okay, not a lot of other people, but some people have been um, talking about the Sega Genesis being branded under Nintendo. The guest I had on the last episode before you, he mm -hmm. actually used to work for Sega. And, really? uh, down, yeah, he worked for the Sega Hotline down in Nintendo. Hi, Spacey's. How's it going, buddy? Uh, um, so he worked for them down in Australia. And we, we talked about this a little bit, but at the same time, because I guess some older people or cannot, when I say older, I mean like like t those who were teenagers in the early 90s who were in the thick of the console wars, who yeah. were like ride or die either Sega or Nintendo. Mm -hmm. And I guess some people are trying to like fan the flames because you know how volatile and vit and vitriolic Twitter can be. Oh man, understated. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw. Um, I I was actually gonna ask you if you want if you're cool bringing it up because I saw your video about um how you got hate rated on Twitter and if we can we if we could talk about that a little later because that I have I really don't know what that is because I'm still super new to Twitch, but like when people are like oh well the console was like this definitely tells you who won the console war and like some people are like no this is wrong how dare you it's like Sega bowed out years ago. They had to, man, after the Dreamcast, you know? <laughs> they did. And the way I see it is like, yeah, it's it's a weird timeline. Definitely is. This is like a weird flashpoint timeline we're living in mm -hmm. that Nintendo is making a controller for from Sega. That Sega design, their biggest competitor circa the early 90s. Yep. Mm -hmm. But the way I see it, this just means that you have another way to play those classic games. Exactly. And in fact, they're playing ball together now, you know? Again, yeah. Sonic is in Smash, you know? So you could play Sonic in that game, you know? I do like that. Even as a Sega fan, I do like the fact, you know, we're actually playing, you know, ball together. I, I love that concept, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm just happy that we're able to... I mean, I'm just glad that these old Sega games are coming up. But although mm -hmm. I would really... I really want Sega to come out with, like, a Sega 32X or a Sega CD collection. I agree. Yes. Yes. I mean, I get the Genesis is like the Genesis, but you also had some pretty good games on the other ones, or even a Saturn collection, because I would love to play Shining Force 3 oh, without man. having to sell an arm and a leg. Oh, man. <laughs> or Panzer Dragoon Saga. You know that oh, one. <laughs> well, didn't the remake come out? For, wasn't there like an HD remake of Panzer Dragoon Saga? The first one, though. Yeah, the, the first, first one. one. Yeah. Was, yes. was that any good? Because I, I, I think oh. I heard some like mixed things about that one. I've played it. Um, it's not bad. You know what I'm saying? I think it, has, it does have a modern control scheme in it. So actually more accessible to modern players. It's okay. It's okay. not It's not terrible, but it's not like anything, you know, revolutionary either, you know. Um, if you want to play Panzer Dragoon, but I like, want to play in a more contemporary setting um, with better controls, play the remake. But if you want the old school experience, which is still pretty good, don't get me wrong, you can play the original. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, good luck finding one because I remember I saw Sega Saturn at a store that was like going for 500 bucks. Wait, what? Or, okay, maybe not 500 bucks. Maybe it was like four. Okay, you know what? It was a Sega Saturn, but it was a Japanese import. It was a Japanese import Sega Saturn, like the, the white one with like the multicolored buttons on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say that one was being sold for maybe 300 something. Yeah, I want to say it was 300. It, I mean, it was still expensive, but still, it's like, okay. But the games that were there, 
the guy, the, the seller had Sonic Jam, Shining Force 3, a bunch of like beautiful Sega Saturn titles. Like, oh, these are awesome. Mm. Sonic Jam was, he was selling that for $200. Oh, man. Over $200. And now, was this the actual Japanese version or the actual the US one? It was the US one, but I think the Japanese one wasn't region locked. So you can play American and Japanese games on it. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's the thing you got. You got to ask about when going because I know when I go to Japan eventually, and I'm going to Akihabara Super Potato. If I see a GameCube, I'm gonna have to make sure to do some research. I'm like, is the GameCube region locked? Because if it's not, sweet, yoink. But if it is, I'm screwed. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, the crazy thing about about Japanese Saturns, I was looking on eBay about a couple of days ago. You can find about eighty bucks. Okay. And it's import though. It's gonna take time to actually get here though. But you can find like really cheap though. Okay. So I'm Huh? It was imported straight from Japan. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's only about eighty bucks. Cause um, that Saturn is a U.S. one. That was a gift though. Uh, one of my um, one of my supporters actually gifted me that Saturn and like be I I shit you not, man. That's my first ever second Saturn. I never owned it. Yeah, I actually forgot the Saturn existed. To be perfectly honest, because I, mean, I was alive and I was into video games when the Saturn was a thing. Mm-hmm. But for me, I thought it was just like Genesis to Dreamcast. Yeah, it I can see that. It wasn't Genesis, Saturn, and Dreamcast. And I think I found out about the Saturn a little bit later, but by then the Dreamcast was out. So I'm like, well, I want the Dreamcast because Sonic Adventures on that one. Right. What's the point? You know, um, yeah. I, I knew of the Saturn back then, though, but like, yeah, when, it, like, when the 3264 bit actually kicked off, it was mostly PS1 and 64. You know, most of us jumped mm-hmm. ship. So, um, and also, I think, you know, the Saturn wasn't as like, heavily marketed in the US like that as it opposed wasn't. to Japan. You know, so a lot of us, you know, had those two consoles. Um, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why it's so expensive to actually collect for that system nowadays. It's just not that known out here. So, yeah. And well, thankfully, it's, I feel like the Saturn, the Sega Saturn nowadays is getting a lot more attention yes. mm-hmm. because it's, it's like Sega's forgotten console, if you think about it. More, more so than the Mac, I wouldn't call the Master System a forgotten console because there's a lot of love for the Master System. Especially you, in Brazil and in the power regions. Yes. Oh, Ooh. Lord. Yes. That <laughs> thing is. The, the, the master system is still going on in Brazil, and that boggles my mind. It's like, how is this 30-plus-year-old system still <laughs> kicking down there? Man, and it's wild because, like I say, the only thing, I think the reason why people actually forget the master system because, again, you know, in North America, we mostly have the NES. You know, yeah, but yeah. playing the master system now, it's a good console, good color, man, you know, um, decent games. But, again, it just couldn't compete in North America. Again, Nintendo had had their, you know what I'm saying, their fangs in us. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. They, they did. Um, I mean, they brought the video game market back from the dead after the crash. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes sense that, um, like, what was what did our parents call video games back in the late 80s, early 90s? They called it Nintendo. Nintendo. <laughs> like, I yep. had to make sure. I remember, like, writing on my Christmas list and my birthday wishes and my birthday list, I had to make sure I wrote down what the console was, what game or what console the game I wanted was. Yeah. I had to write. It's like, this game. For the PlayStation 2. <laughs> it's like this game for the Game Boy Advance. Just, I, had to like under, I had to underline it. It's like PS2, GBA, Game Boy Advance. And then thankfully, my parents never like got me a game for, they got they didn't get me like uh, a game for the Xbox because I didn't never owned an Xbox until mm-hmm. the 360. But luckily, my parents were like, okay, they have the PS2, they have the Game Boys. We know what to get them. Right, right. But um, like looking back to Saturn though, like there's just so many good fighting games and shoot 'em ups on there, man. Whew, man, because I was playing um Dodenpachi um I think on Wednesday and um Raiden Silver Gun, man. 
I love shoot 'em ups, but I suck at them. But playing like the shoot 'em ups <laughs> on there, I'm, I'm trash shoot 'em ups, man. I'm trash at them. But like, I love them though. They're just so addicting. But looking at the Saturn though, it's just man. If it, if it had a bit more marketing in North America, it would it actually would have competed pretty well. But it, looking at it now, man. Yeah, it probably would have because I mean, once again, Sega was still trying to really fight for Nintendo because at the time Sega was like, hey, let's have all these little uh, peripherals. Let's have the 32x, the CD. Whereas Nintendo just said, let's have better software. And that's what's eventually beat Sega into the ground. It was, I mean, yes, the infighting hurt, but then you have Nintendo being like, you don't, if you want to play our entire library of Nintendo games, or at least 98% of our library, all you need is a Super Nintendo and a controller. So that's it. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, you know, the third will, the PlayStation. When, yeah. when the PS1 came out, man, yo, they had a lot to prove, but they proved a lot, man. Because you got to think, you know, Sony's mostly making, you know, like, you know, TVs and cameras and stuff, right? They weren't, like, really known. Yeah. So, um, going against two big titans, you know, back in the 90s, yo, you had, you had, you know what I'm saying, to stand your ground. So, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But Sony, even, even after the debacle of the PS3, or the, the debacle of the launch of the PS3, they're still top dog. I would mm -hmm. say. I mean, even in now in this generation with between the PS5 and the Xbox One, the only one I think is kind of giving them a run for their money is the Switch. But that's I feel the Switch is an entirely in its own different category because it's a at-home console and it's an on-the-go system. Yeah. Whereas the PS5 is just an at-home console, you can't take that thing on the go. Or, or the Xbox Series, right? Or the Xbox Series, yeah. yeah. And you also got to think as well. Nintendo's been in the game for what years to decades. You know what I'm saying? So they're always gonna have that fan base. Yeah, it's always gonna be a love for Mario, a love for Zelda, a love for Smash, love for Animal Crossing. So Nintendo ain't going nowhere. They know they're they gonna make their money, you know. Yeah, so we talked about which era is the best, and we've gone on a whole lot of tangents, but of course, that's what the hey. show is about. Tangents hey. and rants are absolutely exactly. <laughs> so we talked about the 16-bit era, and I completely agree. 16-bit, if you want to get someone else, if a friend of yours, family member, like your niece or your nephew, no whomever wants to get into video game, point them to the 16-bit era mm -hmm. but what games would you say that should be introduced them first like what games would you think that you should set these people down it's like here try playing this now it all depends what your tastes are because that, yeah. that could be that could be another thing but if you actually you know want you know like a, a first taste of what those games are mario and sonic you got to go yeah. with those you know and i would say you super mario world is definitely the good starting point because it's an easy platform you know lots of personality lots of power-ups if you're a nintendo fan Sega, I would say Sonic 2. Yeah. People would say Sonic 3, though. But Sonic 3 is a little bit more advanced. You got a lot more to go with. And you also need two cards, too, for that. But if you yeah. actually don't want, you know, a straight Sonic game to get into, the second game is my, my number one thing of all time. Love me some Sonic 2. That's a good starting point. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I would say um, Links to the Past is definitely okay. a, a top banger, too. You know, Links to the Past is just wonderful. You know, um, for Sega, because you got to think a lot more beat em ups, a lot more action based games, Streets of Rage 2. You can play it with a buddy and still have a ton of fun. Yeah, for real. Um, trying to think what else would be good. Um, for for I would also say Golden Axe would be a good one. Yeah, uh, that's Shinobi a good. Uh, I, I would say Golden Axe would be Golden Axe and along with Streets of Rage would be really good because Golden Axe, of course, it's a co-op beat 'em up. You can mm -hmm. just go around and um, just like beat up these bad guys, and, mm -hmm. you, and you got like a uh, urban setting or you have a fancy setting. It's like, hey, which do you prefer? And then you go with the one your friend picks. Now, going back to Nintendo. Now, this might be a little more difficult game, but I still think it's a great co-op. Donkey Kong Country. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, it's difficult. Don't get me wrong. But I think, you know, if, if it's two people playing, y'all cut one another out. 
preferably the second one. DKC2 is my favorite one, you know. Because okay. um, one thing about the Super Nintendo to me personally, it has great, wonderful games, you know. But if I'm mm-hmm. talking about like two player, you know what I'm saying? I think Genesis takes it in that regard, though, because you have beat them ups mostly. Even some platformers like Gunstar Heroes, that's another good game, mm-hmm. too, you know. But if you actually don't want like Nintendo's best, again, to Mario World, uh, Mario RPG, uh, Links to the Past, Donkey Kong Country. Oh, there's just so many games that that Super Nintendo has, man. <laughs> Where I mean, start <laughs> Turtles in Time. It's yeah, you know what? I because I was actually watching. So I just found this YouTuber um, who's who goes by Retro Bird on obviously. On YouTube. I know him. He, yeah, he, man, such, you know him. Oh, yeah, such a good concentrator, man. No, because I was watching some of his videos before I came up here to record with you, and I'm like, hey, these are actually because he had a list on like which games should you introduce someone to retro, and of course, the first game he mentioned was Super Mario World. I feel the second you say 16-bit video games, even as a diehard Sonic fan, the first game that comes up in my brain is Super Mario World. Mm -hmm. I feel like that game is just too... I mean this in the nicest way possible. It's too iconic. It is. cannot escape Super Mario World. But I feel... I'm sorry, go ahead. And you also think as well, you know, when Mario Brothers 3 came out, that game pushed the boundaries of the NES. So actually, you know, making something better than Mario 3, I won't say better, but just as good. Man, Mario World definitely, it shined. It did. It 100% did. So I want, I mean, obviously, if um, if someone came up to me and said, hey, I want to play retro video games, where should I start? I'm going to say, well, obviously, I'm like, hey, what's your taste? Do you like fighters, beat-em-ups? What what kind of things do you like? But now also going away from that, Say they like the 16-bit area, and they the they say we showed them all these games: Sonic, Mario, Streets of Rage, uh, Link to the, Link to the Past, and they go, "Hey, this is cool. What else you got? Where do you go from there?" Okay, now, okay, I'm, I'm glad where, you brought this where, up, where you, man. Like, where do you go from there? Where do you go after 16? Do you go forward or do you go backward? Because I actually have an idea that I hmm. that I will try. I would say go that's a horror because again because you have you know 32 bit 64 bit but at the same time those games are they, they they're hit or miss because of the third dimension and whatnot nes would be a good one but again a challenge could be a thing too mm-hmm. but however those quality games on there mario brothers 3 mega man 2 mega man 3 kid icarus you know ninja gaiden castlevania you know like contra Great games, but they can be a little bit too hard for that, you know, for the casual, you know, oh, person. No way in, there is no way in hell I would put, I'll give someone Contra and be like, hey, play this as your first game. Hell, and that's the no. giving someone Contra and not telling them about the Konami code. To me, that's like a one way ticket to be like, nope. No, exactly. Now, I would say the Konami code, you, you have to know that. that that's like mm-hmm. tradition right there, you know. But in terms of the actual you know, gaming quality, once you, you know, she's playing those 16 bit games and you actually want to know games that came out before that. I'll say try those games. But again, good thing is in 2021, save states are a thing. So if you get your ass kicked, you can't save state. So you're not, you don't have to play, you know, how it was back in the day. If you die, go back to the beginning. So it's going to be hard, but you can at least, you know, get into it and actually eventually beat it though. You know, yeah. um, Master System, you know, you, you got Sonic Chaos, you got Shinobi, you got Go Next Warrior. Um, you got a lot of different games in the Master System, a, a ton of them, man. <laughs> yeah. So the way I would see it is if, um, Let's just say, for example, my nephew, um, he loves playing video games, and he's asked me, he's like, hey, what are some older games do you like? I show him the 16-bit games, he absolutely adores them, and then he asks me where to go. I would not go forward. I would not go to the PlayStation to N64, mostly because those games, as much as I love them, as much as they mm-hmm. will always have a special place in my heart, as Same much right. as I can still play them to this day, they did not age well, and they do not look the best. 
Exactly. So, because when you go from like a 16-bit to a polygonal game, like even looking at as much as I have, I love Final Fantasy VII. The original Final Fantasy VII, to me, is absolutely gorgeous. It's not my favorite, mm-hmm. but I still love a game. It's It deserves its place in the annals of video game history. It's hard to look at. It is. <laughs> oh, even, man. Because exactly. I, I also have a PlayStation Classic. And when I first got that, my brother, he had it. He didn't want it, so he gave it to me. I plugged it in, and I'm like, okay. Damn, this game looks hard. It's hard to look at. Because <laughs> the funny thing about that, too, is a little bit off topic, though. I actually played Final Fantasy VII for the first time uh, last month. It's, it's really? Amazing. Yes. I've never played Final Fantasy because I'm not the biggest RPG kind of guy. They're not actually my least favorite genre, but I wanted to give it a shot. And mm-hmm. oh, my goodness. However, there were some parts when I actually had to navigate between the actual game. I'm like, where do I go? Because everything like looked kind of the same. It's like kind of like a flat surface. I'm like, how do yeah. I get to this next part? So that did kind of throw me off a little bit, though. But luckily, I have my chat there who actually helped me get through the game, though. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Final, I, I don't remember because Final Fantasy VII was not the first Final Fantasy game I played. That belongs to ten, and I only picked that game up because I'm a huge Kingdom Hearts fan. I love Kingdom Hearts, and that is the game that got me into Final Fantasy. Because I also, I didn't see myself as a big JRPG guy when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. even though I absolutely love that game right there. Yo, again, we're going to be friends, man. Gen 2, I love Gold and Silver. Love it, Uh, love it, love it. I will die on the hill that Generation 2, that those games and their, there we go, those games and their remakes are the best Pokemon games ever made. I don't now, what about Gen 3, though? Um, Omega Red, uh, Alpha Sapphire. What about those? Good game. So, so, uh, Gold and Silver is still better. <laughs> okay. Now, I do like about with uh, Gen 3 makes Omega Evolution from Gen 6. Oh, yeah. Uh, X yeah, and Y. Awesome. I did like that. But like I said, I'm a big Gen 2 fan just like you, man. So I definitely would say because of what Hard, Hard Gold and Soul Silver brought to the table, it's my favorite, though. But Gen 3 remake is just as good, though. And Gen 5, oh, no, but- Black and White, is amazing, too. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of black and white. I haven't played black and white. I wasn't really a big fan of the um of the starters, and I kind of just like let that one go by the wayside. But then of course when X and Y came out, it kind it's weird. I went from I don't like Pokemon to I love Pokemon to a I'm like kind of eh on Pokemon to mm-hmm. I'm like I'm all in. And I think for a lot of us too, man, like for myself specifically, you know, I played Gents 1 and 2 growing up, you know, and I thought you know Pokemon with me, man, was just you know more of my childhood though, you know, you gotta think. There are other games that came out, especially RPGs, you know, like Final Fantasy specifically. So, like, between yeah. Gens 3, 4, and 5. Oh, wow. Okay, Game Boy Pocket. <laughs> Yo, my, ori- my original Game Boy Pocket, I've had this since 1998. Wow. And inside it, my original. Man, that is dope. Man, I haven't my, seen that in so long. I, I feel like there should be, like, a little dinger, and, f- and fans of the show should be like, okay, take a shot whenever Ben mentions, because uh, I, I show this off as much as I can. <laughs> I show this off to my friends or to to my co-hosts. It's like mm-hmm. it's like yeah, I have this. I'm like oh yeah, I still have my original uh, red version. I have my original brothers, my brothers. Wow, my original brothers because obviously he's my original brother. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> I have my brother's original blue version as well. I'm holding it for him. So, but yeah, this is my OG red version. You know what's funny about that man? Because like um, that's actually my first Game Boy. It was actually Green Game Boy Pocket. I had Mortal Kombat yeah. three in it. Yeah, Small World, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, Small World. Yeah, that's actually my first um exposure to the Game Boy because I didn't have a um a DMD zero one model, dude. Like the, the big brick, the, I, I never had brick, that one. Yeah. No, I never had. A, I my cousin had one. I played Super Mario Land on it because he came over for a family gathering, and I saw him like, "What's that?" It's like he's, he's like, "It's a Game Boy." And now looking back on it, he was like, I want to say 15, 16 years old, mm-hmm. and here I am, just tiny little uh, like three or four, five year old me. He's like, "What's that?" 
video games can i play <laughs> and he's like yeah sure here you go and i'm like i'm playing and i'm like i don't know what's going on but i think i'm mario <laughs> Man, it's looking back at the original Game Boy, man. Like that thing, you know, really set a standard. Like it lasted throughout the entire nineties and a little bit of two thousands. Like it kicked the asses of you know the um the Turbo Express, the Game Gear, the Atari Lynx. Like yo, the, the, the original Game Boy, man, it was little though, man, and that and that screen was shit though, man. But man, that thing's to the legacy. <laughs> I mean, as much as I love the Game Boy, I would always say that those those older Game Boys, like looking at, because I've been spoiled by my my uh, 101, my Game oh, Boy Advance okay. P 101. Oh yeah, I got this reshell to look like a Super Famicom. Yo, that's it's dope. It's so freaking awesome. Look at that. Yo, that is because I remember they actually released the um on the NES one too, right? Yeah, yeah. The NES one was an official one, and then I know a guy who was able to reshell it to an NES or a SNES, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I want the Super Famicom because I really like the, the color scheme. I like how it's all, even the buttons are different colors, like on the yeah. um, Super Super Famicom controller. But that's beside the point. The point is this GBA, the GBA SP, the best Game Boy ever made. Plays every single Game Boy cartridge ever made. I mean, it might stick out a little bit, but you know what? That's fine. The backlit screen was a lifesaver. It was. Oh man. And I'll give the SD uh, SP much, that much credit though, because like I like the original Game Boy Advance, the long model, a little bit more. But yeah, again, feel... uh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, because the things with SP, I like it because the backlit screen. But my hands are freaking huge, so it kind of felt kind of cramped though. <laughs> but I will say, having a backlit screen was actually a godsend because you got to think the original Game Boy didn't have one, the pocket, the color, or the original Advance didn't have one. But having that battle screen, it actually became a standard, you know, to the DS and the 3DS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, also, it, it kind of also brings a point to how well Nintendo, well, A, was known, but B, I mean, yeah, the, the Game Gear and the Lynx, full color, backlit screens. The Game Boy was, it, the, it looks bad. Like, as much as I would, I'm, I could play Super Mario Land now, it looks like shit. It does, it does. not look good. It does. It looks god-awful. It does. Down the line, it starts to look a little bit better. But that first GBA game outside of Tetris looks awful. It does. Oh, you're you're not wrong, man. I agree. But, <laughs> but the game is still so fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, and also the fact that you only need four double A's for the brick, and that thing lasted you hours. Yes. I remember I went to um to visit some family friends over in Southeast Asia. They were living in Singapore at the time. And we had a flight from LAX to South Korea, which was like a 17-hour flight, the longest plane ride I've ever been on in my entire life up to that point. And, of course, my parents made sure they put brand-new batteries in our Game Boys. They wanted us to sleep most of the way, but if we didn't sleep, we would bust out the Game Boys. And I want to say it wasn't halfway through our – it was like halfway through our trip when we needed to switch the batteries out. Mm Mm-hmm. That thing lasted so long, even with my pocket, because the game my pocket only took two triple A's, yep. and it still lasted forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the Game Gear, man, took six, man. It lasted, what, four hours of that? <laughs> I had a Game Gear. I bought it secondhand at a store that sadly is no longer around, and unfortunately, neither is that Game Gear. Uh-huh. But it was like when I first got it, and I thought, oh, this is a portable Sega. This is the coolest thing ever. And then my parents saw how many batteries it needed. And they were like, eh, I don't know, Ben. I don't think that's a good idea. And yeah. of course, they bought for me anyway. They bought me the batteries. And yeah, four four hours later, or not even like a cumulative of four hours, I'm like playing. And all of a sudden, I'm like going and trying to find new double A's. And my parents are like, what's going on? It's like my game gear died. And they're like, already? 
You got to think, man, back then, you know, I mean, you know, it was actually a little bit harder to come across, you know, barriers because your parents to buy them. You know, nowadays you actually, you know, you, you can do mods and stuff like that. But back in the day, yeah, barriers all you had. <laughs> so, well, yeah. Also, also, you have the glory of rechargeable batteries. That's the yes. <laughs> instead of like yes. trying to put new batteries in the system, it's like you charge them up the night before. Because I still, to this day, I still do that. I charge up my, my 3DS. I charge up my SP if I'm taking it with me on a trip. I mm-hmm. make sure that sucker is fully charged up and then ready to go the next morning. Yep. And the good thing is when the Game Boy Advance came out, though, man, it took two AAA batteries. It still lasted, you know what I'm saying, a long time, though, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and you can mod those with a, um, a USB-C um, kind of, you know, um, you can install a battery into it. And that's, yeah. It's actually a dope idea right there. So you could do that. But yeah. back then, that's all you have batteries. Yeah, but also you can mod the um, the Game the Game Boy Advances, the, the original ones with the longer screen. Because I will admit the original model is a lot more comfortable. As much as I love this, um, when I was playing um, Metroid Fusion and Zero Mission on this, there are times where I was trying to do like the, the speed, the charge speed run, and you mm-hmm. have to like jump and do it at a specific angle. Well, look how big my thumb is compared to this. <laughs> so there were times I'm trying to push left, but of course my thumb would also register the top, so I'm going diagonally. Mm-hmm. I did not mean to do that, and it also messed up some of my jumps. I didn't die. But it messed up a few of my jumps. I had to start the whole process all over again. And it was already a really tricky way to go from like one to, to yeah, it was precision. It was precision jumping, which I like precision jumping. That it makes it like, yes, I'm learning. I'm getting really good at this game. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it makes me so mad because I'm meant, especially when I'm trying to go one way and my thumb decides to go bird that way. Right. Again, our hands are freaking huge. So it's like it makes it even more difficult, you know, to actually do the jump. So, yeah. 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 So. So going back to going back to my to my original thought of like instead of going forward of how games look uh, for the so if like if my nephew comes up to me and says hey I like this I will show said nephew the NES I think the NES is good but I'm not gonna throw him to the wolves of like Contra or even Mega Man I will definitely start off with Super Mario Bros probably Super Mario Bros three yeah oh yeah oh yeah. Because if because obviously if he if my nephew likes platformers he's definitely gonna love Mario Bros three and then I would still gauge and see how he how he likes it because if say he likes Mario Bros three and I show him the original one but he doesn't like Super Mario Bros one I I don't know could it be too hard or he just doesn't like the way it looks then it's like okay we know where to stop and I'll show him other games mm-hmm. and then if he's still into it then I'm like okay. We'll go forward with the PlayStation N64, just but be warned, it doesn't look as good because this was way back in the 90s. Early 3D days, you know, so yeah. Yeah, but I think a really good thing, a really good way to get them into those games, if I have them and if they're, if they ever become available, is um, the Game Boy Advance games. Oh, man, yes, yes. So, um, because I was watching another video on YouTube and they're like, hey, there's no original Mario game or Mario platformer game for the Game Boy Advance. Hmm, so is it? Nice yeah, it's only, about, yeah. Yeah, because the Super Mario Advance titles are all ports of mm-hmm. NES and Super Nintendo games. Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel like a good way to like say, hey, maybe try, um, maybe Yoshi, like say I don't have my Super Nintendo handy, my SNES classic with Yoshi's Island. I'd be like, hey, here's the, here's Yoshi's Island. Or, hey, here's, um, what should we call it? Super Mario Bros. 3, Super Mario, ba- here's Super Mario Bros. 3 for the Game Boy Advance. Try yep. this. It looks a little better. It looks a little cleaner. And try it and see if you like that. If you do, cool. And it's portable too. So again, you yeah. just have you know, the actual, you know, actual monitor, you know, or TV to actually play. You can just have it in his hand. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel also I'll try to do like 
I definitely won't show. I mean, if of course they show, hey, I do like retro games. Teach they come up to me like, teach me, sir. I want to know the ways. Then I'll show them. I'll ask them what they think about first. I will only go to the days of Atari if they ask. Right, because that that's one area you do not want to go back to. <laughs> even I, I don't mean, even do it. I mean, okay, so I have a bunch of Atari games. Right, I, uh, this isn't all my Atari games because I did um, a few weeks ago. I actually was I got lucky enough to interview Howard Scott Warshaw, the man who created this. Oh man, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because that's actually community challenge would do down the road. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I now have I have all these games. I have ET. I have Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, Yars Revenge. I actually have CIB. It's just over there. I don't want to get it right now. And of course, I have a, the Atari version of Space Invaders, Ooh, which okay. I Glad. would say is an absolute classic, especially mm-hmm. now because I watched the documentary um, uh, High Score and I saw how um, Becky Heidemann is the, technically the first video game championship after she won playing Space Invaders. Hmm. And I'm like, you know, that's an interesting piece of history. I want a copy of that, but. I have these games because I want to hold on to them and preserve them. I don't plan of to course. sell them off. I want to hold these. If I ever get a Atari 2600 or a clone system, I may plug it in just to show people what they looked like and then never touch them again. Right. Because, again, that's like primitive days, like, you know, the Stone Age of gaming, you know, <laughs> or the Wood Age, I should say. <laughs> I call it the Primordial Age. Mm. I call yep. it, you had the Primordial Age, First Age, and Second Age of Retro. And now that well, I guess the, the community is accepting that the PS3 is retro now, we're now in the or we're now starting in the third age. Makes sense, yeah. I mean, that's what I call it. So I mean, that's that's why I call it. I'm also trying to write a book about it too. Hmm, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So before you go, there was one thing I want to talk about besides retro video games that you brought up, and I feel like we should talk about it because I am, like I said earlier, I am new to Twitch. I do have a Twitch. I'm unfortunately hardly ever on it. My work schedule sucks. The only time I could really, really be on it is on Saturdays. And if I'm not recording shows like this, I'm doing something completely different. Makes sense. So you put up a video about how your Twitch channel was hate rated. Okay. And to those, and I apologize for uh, bringing the tone down. If you don't want to talk about it, just let me know. Okay, okay. To talk about it. Let's talk about it. Um, so, for those of you who, or for those of us who do not know what a hate raid is, can you please explain as to what exactly it is and how it affects the streamer? Because I have, because okay. I have an idea. I mean, the words hate and raid on it, so I can only assume bad things are going on. But I don't know, so please explain if if you want how right, what exactly here's, that is. Here's what a hate raid is: was actually someone making a bunch of bot accounts where actually you know a bunch of hate rhetoric, you know, and me being a person of color, being a black man, you know, I've had you know a bunch of bot accounts saying you know kill all n words or you know hang all n words and stuff like that. Oh, wow. I, I shit you not. Yes, that's what it is, and like it's mostly targeting you know, towards you know people of color or those of the LGBTQIA community. You know, mm-hmm. and a lot of my, you know, fellow, you know, people of color, you know, and one of my good friends who's part of the LGBTQ community has got, you know, say, you no know, kill all F words, you know, all that stuff. So it's, it's, a, it's a bunch of bot accounts with a bunch of hateful messages. And it really made me feel, you know, some kind of way because, like, you know, as a conscript creator, man, as a black conscript creator, I should feel safe. And I did, you know. And uh, luckily, you know, one of my good friends, Wreck It Raven, you know, started the Twitch Do Better movement, you know, actually, you know, mm-hmm. to challenge Twitch to actually, may, um, you know, have issues, you know, who well, actually, you know, incorporate change on Twitch. To make you no know, um people of color content creators and you no know, LGBTQ content creators to actually feel safe, you know, to hold Twitch accountable for these things. So that's what it is. 
Okay. I've got hit about a good 10, 15 times within the that is, past month. Because I remember watching your the, the video you posted on Twitter about how you got hit all these times, and I that still boggles my – I mean, I've, okay, it doesn't really boggle my mind getting to what, what the, A, the country we live in, and B, the rhetoric that's been going on, especially in the past few years once a certain someone – was elected president of the United States yeah. and all the, and all the, we, I try not to be political on the show. Cause this is a place where I want this show to be a safe space for gamers of all people to come in and just talk about video games. Right. I mean, if Paul, like I can only imagine that somewhere down the line, politics will creep its head because I want to talk about say the congressional hearings of the early, of the mid nineties with mm-hmm. when the SRB was formed Yep. or what, um, China passed a few weeks or was it a few weeks ago when, when China put in a law saying you could only play video games for three hours on the weekend. Wow. I've heard something yeah. about that too. I've heard about Yeah, that. that's a that's a thing. And part of me is like, oh, I'm glad to live where I do now. Exactly. But, <laughs> but hearing stuff like that where people make these bots, it just sickens my stomach because like you said, you are a black man and you are here to play video games and create content, which hell yes, do it. So what can people do to make this better? I would say, you know, just know the fact it exists, you know, and don't be afraid, you know, to call people out. I'm not saying just Twitch, though, man, but those out there, man, who think, you know, that it's okay, you know, to for people of, you know, of color and, you know, people of the LGBTQ community, you know what I'm saying, to, to, I'm trying to find the right word, to to not feel victimized, you know, like we, we, we go through a lot of stuff a lot. And there's people out there saying, okay, if you hate it, move to another platform. Okay, let's have a, if I move to YouTube. What, like I said, that's gonna follow me too. Yeah. I'm not gonna feel safe anywhere. So again, you know, call out Twitch, call out people you know, who actually say things like that and hold them accountable. This is not right. You know, regardless of what color you are, though, man, you know, you should feel safe on comes to streaming, all that stuff. You should feel safe regardless. So yeah, just just call people out, man, and and just you mm-hmm. know, just know the fact this exists. It is a thing. It's happened to me many times. Yeah. But yeah. I'm- like like I said, I I really ever streamed. I think the only the the highest amount of viewers I ever had was like maybe three. And of course, my streaming setup isn't. I'm recording this through my laptop. I do have a PC, but it's nowhere near the specs I want to stream video games. Mm-hmm. And the only time the only way I stream now is through my PlayStation Four. When I get my PS Five, then sweet upgrade. But besides, until that happens, I don't really have like I I don't have the audience. So, but to hear someone like you who does have the audience that is going through this. My heart goes out to you, man. I am so sorry. That I that appreciate really, it. That, that um, and like I said, as of right now, the hate rates have actually died down. But there's another issue. Uh, for those who know who I am, I'm a military veteran. I served four years in the United States Army, and I've actually had you know certain you know accounts that saying you know your veteran friend died or something like that. So it's actually you no know, veteran, you know, by the accounts, you know, actually targeting you no know, former United States you know servicemen. And that it, it actually happened to me on Friday, you know. So if it's like if it's one issue, you know, being you know shut down, another one arises. So just know the fact, you know, just know the fact these things exist, though, and, like, don't turn a blind eye because they do happen. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. And uh, and second of all, I feel for you because I have a family member. Actually, I have multiple family members who either who have served in the United States military. So I completely get that because that part really freaking sucks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. But it so, happens though. Like a lot of it's a lot of discussing stuff that happens on Twitch, though, even on Twitter though. But especially, you know, on Twitch though, man, a lot of people do get attacked on a regular, yeah. you know. So yeah. Like I because I'm mostly on Twitter, because luckily when I'm at work or when I'm at home, I'm able to like check Twitter really quickly, or I'm on my break at work, I'm able to scroll through Twitter. Whereas Twitch, I especially because a lot of the people whom I do follow on Twitch, they're either streaming while I'm at work or they're streaming right before I go to bed. 
Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to watch the stuff. So I'm not privy to this. I'm only privy to this. Like when you or other creators say, Hey, I got hate rated on Twitch today. I'm like, what is a hate raid? So mm-hmm. thank you for telling me what that is and educating us. And yeah, just what you said, call people out when they're doing stupid shit. Yeah, and like I say, because there, there are things on Twitter, though, man. People do say, though, man, they're just off the wall. You know, I've, I've seen people say, if you hate, you know, to climb the Twitch, move somewhere else. That's not going to change the issue. It's going to still be there. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Yeah, because if you just like go from one platform to another, what's to stop the trolls from going to that other platform and be like, and continuing mm-hmm. what they're doing? And, you know, and, and just, you know, having Twitch being complacent on the matter, though, man, like, you know, not protecting their creators, that's an issue right there in itself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So let's try to. Let's try to move to a little happier notes, but I, I did want to talk about it. I did want to, to, because I feel that with you and with other creators, that should be addressed. And even though I'm a small platform, it's like, hey, we got to be better when we're watching, when watching the creators we like. Mm-hmm. So what I had, a, I had a question. Okay. So we obviously talked about trying to get into like retro game collecting and trying to get in and getting other people into retro game collecting. When you want to get a new system, what what's the criteria when you're like okay this is a system i want to collect for and how do you go do you like plan for it or do you just do just like out of the blues you're at a store go i don't have that yet yeah i got enough money i think i'll pick that up um it's also on rarity you know um (laughs) process elimination because um i do want a pc engine or tg16 but those are somewhat rare to come across. They're a little bit pricey, especially on eBay. So I think, oh, to myself, okay, how much does it cost? Is it reasonable? Those come with all the pieces. Because one thing I don't want to do is actually get a console and have to pay for more stuff. Does come with everything, you know? Um, can I get it? Can I get the games for it? Now, I am using EverDrives with certain consoles because I do have a, um, a Genesis one, um, a Genesis 4 one, a Game Boy one. So if I do decide to get a, um, a PC engine, probably get EverDrive because some of those games are pricey to get. Mm-hmm. But um, it's really about price, you know, um, you get the games for it availability um budget stuff like that so mm-hmm. and also you gotta think to yourself okay what kind of console do you want now if right. it's like you know a sega genesis or a super nintendo you can find those anywhere those are pretty common though you know yeah. um game collecting for those isn't too bad but if you want something like you know a 3do or sega saturn expect to pay a lot of money <laughs> now that's a that's a console i have not heard i feel like uh oh god what's the movie where it's like that's oh star wars obi-wan where it's like 3DO. That's a name I've not heard in a long time. Long time. <laughs> I mean, it's a more obscure system. So, like I say, you know, uh, if you're trying to collect for that, you're going to pay a lot more as opposed to collect for, you know, a, a NES. Yeah. Because you know there, there's more games out there to meet the demand, you know. And you're still going to do with scalpers. It's going to happen, though. But at least, you know, you're more likely to collect for something like a NES as opposed to like something like a what's like a very obscure console? Like super obscure. Again, 3DO. Um, um, Saturn's obscure. I would say, okay, it's maybe not obscure, but I would definitely say it's well known because of its infamy. The Philips CDI. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but it, um, if you're trying to collect for that again, you know, you're gonna pay a lot more because again, not two people had those. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a little you know less known to some more mainstream. Like a Genesis, you can find it for about 30, 40 bucks. Yeah. easy even a ps1 you can find really cheap though you know and again you know even you know for like most libraries they're still easy to collect for like you can find sonic one for about seven bucks you know what i'm saying but if you're trying to find like box adventure you can pay a little bit more about 40 50 bucks for that game despite being you know the main mascot of the tg16 so yeah yeah um ah uh, shoot i had something in my brain oh okay so i did i thank god i remembered it um what's your so What's your opinion about when old like the Nintendo Switch online service? 
Mm-hmm. There's criticisms about the online service about how Nintendo doesn't really do online well, but one thing I absolutely love about this uh, service are the older consoles like the NES and the Super Nintendo, and now eventually the N64. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts uh, on these things? Because my whole thing about this is that originally by the end of this year, it was my goal to rebuy an N64. I had an N64, it's unfortunately got lost to time along with my entire game collection. But a lot of the games that I had and I really want to rebuy, which are now super expensive, yeah. are going to be on that system or are going to mm-hmm. be on the Switch when it eventually comes out. So do you – what's what's your opinion? Do you still want to get the console if the console's readily available and the games are there? Or do you still just want to have the physical copy? Um, Now, I'm, going, I'm a little bit off topic, though. That 64 right there is my childhood one. Nice. I still have it. Yes. And my mom actually said to me um, about – I think she said to me early 2021. She still had it. So yeah. Um, my thing about that is that um I do some original hardware, but I also do emulation as well. You know, but I know for mm-hmm. some people out there who don't want to deal with all that, the Switch Online service is great. Again, it's pretty cheap though. You actually get some of the best games, you know. I do I do wish, honestly, man, we have the virtual console. I do miss that. Yeah. I miss it so much. But hey, you know, tape we can get. Um, if you actually you know don't want to collect for stuff, um, the online service is a good thing. It's definitely good. You know, you're paying about way. $20 for a year, you actually access all the games you want, classic games, and online too, that's a deal right there. That's definitely yeah. a deal. Um, now, retro stuff, I do like to collect for, because again, I am a retro collector, I'm also a retro enthusiast, you know, so I actually don't want to, you know, keep that thing going. However, if there are times where I don't, I don't if I actually don't want to play, you know, online with someone, with the Switch, in my, um, you got the, you can do online with retro hardware nowadays, it's kind of hard, you know. So I think the Switch online service is actually a good alternative. It's a great way, you know, so yeah. Yeah, I think that with when the N64 was announced for that last direct, to me it was like, cool, I can, I can wait. If I don't get my N64 this year, that's fine. I still want to have an N64 because, of course, right. a lot of the games that I had are not going to be on the system. But mm-hmm. once again, those games, even though they're easy to find, they're still not the cheapest games. Like Pokemon Stadium is my is the reason why I wanted an N64 in the first place. That's pretty pricey. It Pokemon is. Stadium Two, very expensive. But mm-hmm. luckily, with games like Mario Kart 64, with um, games I never owned, Yoshi Story, Kirby and the Crystal Shards, uh, Banjo oh, Kazooie, yes. even. Mm-hmm. Now, those are coming to the Switch or on the N64 for the Switch. The way I see it, now I have a way to play this. It's going to work on my HDTV. And also, going way back to the beginning of the conversation, I, ha- I don't have to worry about space. Exactly. Because. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I want I want the the green N64. You know, remember the fantastic ones where they had the yeah, like, the color green. ones. Yeah. I really want a green. Green's my favorite color. I want that green one with the original green controller. But once again, these consoles are getting older, and those parts are not working as well as they probably should. Mm-hmm. So, so now with um, I mean, I might not be able to play all the games I wanted, but like you said, emulation is an option. But at least I have a. I'm more of a fan of having things legally because also I know it's going to, you know, work and there it's going to be there. So mm-hmm. it's, to me, it is a double-edged sword, but at the same time, it's, it's like a greatest hits. Like, Hey, if you're interested in playing these old games, you can play these old games. You're good. And like, you're also getting, you know, some of the, you know, the most known titles as well. You got to think mm-hmm. there isn't a soul who doesn't love Marvel 64 not create a time, you know, and Star Fox. So mm-hmm. you're at least, you know, getting, you know, a good sampling, so to speak. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think that online, I think the online service to me personally, if you're not, if you do, if you don't want to get into retro collecting, which I understand, you know, it's not for everybody, but if you mm-hmm. still want to play those games with ease of access and online capabilities, the online service, go for it. I well, also, it. 
also for the N64, if I remember correctly, online services like you can play other your friends online with that app because with the nes and super nintendo there's no online thing which i want to say is why it's a little more expensive because once it does launch it's a a new tier but like you mm -hmm. said it's only 20 dollars for an entire year that is 40 dollars cheaper than compared to, to sony and microsoft yep. i was those just gonna both, say that too <laughs> those are both 60 bucks i am so fine i am so like like and even when I'm doing a family plan, because I have a family plan, because my girlfriend pl plays Animal Crossing on the Switch, and she goes to her friends' islands. Mm -hmm. So in order for her to do that, I needed like two. I needed it's either get one plan, which is family one, and that's already thirty five dollars for an entire year for two people. That that's a deal right there. Yeah, it's Seriously. like oh, I only have to pay fifteen more dollars on something that's already under sixty. Sure, I don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. like that, and that's a great thing, you know, because again, people don't want you know, maybe some people don't want you actually collect for stuff, you know, some mm -hmm. people want to just play, you know, on, on, on modern consoles, which I can't really blame them for. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I can't. I mean, although I do, I love what Xbox is doing with the Game Pass and how backwards compatible those systems are, which is yep. good, but I'm I'm not a really huge fan of Xbox outside of Halo. I love the Halo games, I play co op with them with one of my best friends, they're, they're super fun, yeah, but. I kind of wish Sony was a little bit better at about it with their yes. console, with their yeah, older I mean, games. Like, because when the PS4 came out, though, man, that was a step down. Because um, when it, when the first model PS3 came out, you could play PS1, PS2, and PS3. But when PS4 came out, they had um, PS2 games. It was only like a small selection anyway. So it was like, it was a step going downwards, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, don't get me wrong. PS4, I absolutely adore that console. The oh, games yeah. are, are fantastic. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, the new PS3 I have, which is down there can still play my ps1 games that's no i can at least i have a machine that can play my ps1 games i just mm -hmm. wish I, had, I mean as much as i want to play my ps2 games a lot of the ps2 games i go i will go back to and play they actually got hd remakes for the ps4 shadow of the colossus the yep. kingdom heart series um final fantasy 12 final fantasy 10 all got hd remasters and are on the ps4 so it's like half my library is on the PS4 now, so I don't need to play my PS2 anytime soon. <laughs> now, I will say this, though. If you actually <laughs> want to experience one of Sony's best consoles, the PS2 is the way to go. Oh, again, yeah. Man. Oh, like, man. I mean, bro, that is, like, absolutely no contest. To me, my favorite console of all time has to be the PS2 because of what it did for not just video games, but also it... Okay, to say what different video games, I... It's, it brought games into obviously a new dimension, but of course, for a lot of families, it's like it could play DVDs when DVD players were, you know, stupid expensive. Yep. Mm -hmm. and at the same time, that massive library had something for everyone. You can probably find someone who says, I hate video games. Video games are not my thing. I can guarantee you, if you look in the entirety of the PlayStation 2 library, they could find a game that they might really like. Oh, yeah. Good, good. Like I say, God of War, you know, um, Jack and Daxter, Sly Cooper. Oh man, even like some good fight games like Tekken 3, 4, I mean, Tekken Tag, Tekken 4, Tekken 5. Oh yeah. And the good things with PS2 stuff, it's still pretty cheap to collect for. Oh like, yeah. Honestly. I mean, there will be some like higher level or games that are rare and hard to find. Got here. <laughs> Marvel versus Capcom 2. <sighs> yeah, that one. Which I had. Uh you were mm. there being had. Because mm, mm, mm. that game is freaking pricey. Damn. Whew, man. Not only is that game pricey, so I still have my original PS2 model, but here's the thing. That's a older model, like older, older model. Like it was one of the it was either first or second generation when the PS2 was coming out. 
So Marvel vs. Capcom 2 was what my family called a blue disc because when you take the game out, instead of it being a nice shiny uh, DVD-ROM, it was a compact disc and it looked blue. My PS2 could not read, I mean, it could, but it very rarely was able to read those games. That's how it was for me for Tekken Tag Tournament because it's the same blue disc. And yeah, it's hard It's hard to actually you know, get that game to run at times. It's annoying. Yeah. yeah. No, it absolutely drove me up a wall because sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And I had like three games. I had, we got like a bunch of Gun Con games too, like Time Crisis 3. Well, no, that was a DVD ROM. That was fine. Uh, Time Crisis 2, uh, Vampire Night, Ninja Assault, all three of them were blue discs. Yep. And I think I remember one, and I remember when we found out how to tell the difference when we would go to stores and we would tell her, we, we had to teach our parents when they were shopping for games for us. Yeah. And if, like, say for a birthday or Christmas, a, a game we wanted, they couldn't get, they would tell us, it's like, oh, it's because it was a blue disc. Because uh. we were just so over the fact that blue the blue discs that we had would not run. They were, they were kind of spotty, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you got a PlayStation Slim or and newer models of the PS2, they would run no problems. You'd be fine. But unfortunately, yeah. we weren't. Once we got like that system, that was it. The only oh, yeah. time the only time we really upgraded was for Game Boys, and that's because they were a lot cheaper. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my brother was able to convince me to pull our money together for each of us to get a Game Boy Advance SP. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, yeah, um, those blue discs are annoying. Truck. I was actually playing Tekken Tag tournament about a few weeks ago, and like mm-hmm. sometimes it would run, sometimes it would freeze. I'm like, really? Seriously? So yeah. I mean, it really got me mad in Marvel's Capcom 2 because I actually unlocked Mega Man. Because when oh. you first get the roster, Mega Man is not, he's, uh, he's, okay. a, he's unlockable. But when I finally unlocked him and I was able to get my, uh, my full team, which is Mega Man, Wolverine, and Spider Man, those are my okay. mains. My bad. And I was like, I was blazing through the game. I was having a blast. And then one day it just won't load. And I would try to do the thing. I would take it out. I'd be like, inside the system and like put it back in, won't load. Keep trying and trying, and eventually I just gave up. I don't, I don't blame you. Again, you, know, you let's say if you want to try to buy another one nowadays, again, you're paying, you're paying about 200 bucks for that game. Oh, I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, am, no, no. I am absolutely screwed if I want to get Marvel's Capcom 2 today, which is why I'm praying to whatever God will listen that the develop that Marvel and Capcom could shake hands and be friends again and be like, okay, here's MVC 2 remastered. Have fun. We're putting it back up. You can play it now on all modern consoles. Because, man, I remember when it actually first came out for the 316 PS3. Like, I screamed. I'm like, online too? Man, but it got delisted. I'm like, come on, why? Yeah. But hopefully, if Disney played ball, though, man, we'll be good. So. Well, uh, I just want a redemption story because I do have Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Not good. Uh, don't get me started in that freaking game. Oh, hell. Let's not. <laughs> Well, we, we're going for a while. We're almost in two hours, so I think that would be a good place to end it. So, Ron, thank you so much for coming on and just ranting about games. This, this is one of the reasons why I love doing the show is just talking video games with someone. Thank you so much for coming on, bud. I appreciate you having me, man. Like I said, definitely fun chopping it up with you, man, for real. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, yeah. Hey, if you're ever out here in Southern California, just give me a call. I'm like, cool. We'll pick a day, and I'll take you shopping. I got a lot of places to take you, bud. I bet. Like I said, we'll, we'll stay in contact, man. We'll oh, definitely. that we will. Definitely. Oh, are you, are you kidding me? We were talking about the, the X-I last night, and I was like, man. <laughs> you know what's funny, too? Because like I had no idea what that was until last year. 
I really? did some research and whatnot because, like, when I think of Sega, I think you know the Model One, the Model Two, the Model Three, the Nomad, even the CDX. But the um JVC XI, one of my um fellow streamers, uh, his name is Black Mario. He actually used to, he actually had one. He sold it really. Though, like, yeah, he actually used to have one. I'm like, what wow. the hell is this? <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, yeah. wow, because I've never seen it. I think I knew about the XI through a video of the gaming historian, and the reason why. Well, I told because I told you I never actually played an XI IRL. I've only know about it through YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And in that video, I believe he said um, that was a much better made than like the the Sega CDX, which was the CD the Sega CD and Genesis built in together. Because mm-hmm. the XI, it was able to read the discs better, whereas the Sega CDX did not. It was the, there was like a bunch of loading problems with that one. So, oh. I mean, once again, that's what I've heard. Because I have played a Sega CD before, and I was playing some CD, and I could not get past Palm Tree Panic Act 1. Not because oh. I couldn't beat the level, which I can't. I could beat that level in my sleep. It just wouldn't load. Mm. Speaking of Sonic CD, do you mind if I show you something real quick? Please do. Say, Sonic CD is my absolute favorite Sonic game of all time. That was the first one I owned. I love that game. You have a... F- <laughs> <laughs> it is complete, too, man. I, I paid oh. 80 for it. Oh, look clean. at that. Oh my god, that is clean. Because I now, had my, I got mine for the PC back in 1995. So here's a PC version. Show this. Yep, yep, yep. Um, the good thing is I can play it on. So you can play it on Steam nowadays, which is actually about oh, what five bucks. Um, oh, I'm trying the, to get it. I, oh, the iOS version is really good. Yeah, show this. Yep. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about the modern versions? You can play um both soundtracks because Japanese soundtrack oh, yeah. is so fire. Man. That's what everyone says, but I grew up with the American soundtrack. So for me, I use the American one. I know, I know, sacrilege, how dare I, but <laughs> but that that's what I grew up on. So that's the one I that's why I play. So once again, Ron, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you on the internet when they want to like watch your streams and like hit you up on Twitter? Where can people find you? All right, so you can find me uh, as Ron Nefaro, all, all accounts on Instagram and Twitter. That's what I'm mostly on. Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Ron Nefaro. I stream um, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, 3 p.m. Central. Fridays, Random Retro, that's 12 p.m. Central. And I'll stream on Sundays on 3 p.m. Central. So, yeah. Nice. And one, I swear, one of these days, I'm going to sit down and watch one of your streams. I do have a vacation coming up. It's next month, but it's on the way. So I was like, be like, yo, I'm streaming this. I'm like, cool, I'm watching it. Like I said, I appreciate it, though. Like I said, I know, I know you're a busy man right now, but if you can stop by, I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, open invite. If you ever want to camp, come back on, just hit me up. Just, we'll, we'll figure out a time to sit down and record again. This has been an absolute blast. Hey, like I said, I appreciate you, man. For real. Of, of course, bro. So, yeah, go ahead and follow this man on Twitter and Instagram. Or You don't have an Instagram, do you? Yes. Um, Instagram, Ron Ferro. Twitter, Ron Ferro. It's the same name. Do I yep. follow you on Instagram? No, I'll have to check that out later. So, yeah, follow him on everywhere. And of course, you can follow me, Ben Magnet, at BenMagnet27 on Instagram and Twitter. And also, the main podcast, the Fake Nerd Podcast, you can find us pretty much everywhere you listen to your podcast, both in video and audio format. I mean, of course, you're here watching this on YouTube, so obviously you're watching the Fake Nerd Podcast channel. But also, like and subscribe, so that really helps out the channel. (laughs) And we're still doing the main show. We're recording our shows. We normally record on Sundays. One day, like as of this recording, we're doing a Saturday recording. But you can check us out. We're talking about nerd stuff. It's a really good time. Um, we have a whole bunch of other shows on this channel. Fake Nerds Watch, um, Fake Nerds uh, Book Club, which is on hiatus. Also, Animation Station is a really fun thing, fun show. We got a lot of stuff on this channel. So go ahead, check everything out. FakeNerdPodcast.com has everything compared with that has to do with us. Links to our Patreon are there. Links to our, of course, to listen and watch the show are there. Everything's there. So once again, thank you to Ron. And for now... Unpause.